1: I was essentially living a lie. Nobody really knew what was going on internally. For the majority of my life, I I couldn't even be honest, let alone vulnerable with myself, let alone to anyone else. And that caused me immense suffering.
0: So externally, you had all this success. Internally, you were suffering. Yes.
1: And the reason why this was the toughest moment was because I could no longer say, when I get there, that's when I'll be happy. I couldn't fantasize about this better moment because I'd I'd literally had everything I wanted.
0: What is the link between self-worth and
1: success? Massive, massively intertwined. For the longest time, I didn't even know self-worth was a thing. And truly, when I understood what self-worth was, it was during my first ayahuasca experience. When I went and sat with Mother and she took me through the roughest ride of my life. Physically painful, emotionally painful, mentally painful, spiritually painful. It was complete disillusion of myself. This was one of the most pivotal points of my life. I realized that I had very little self-worth. Your worth is not defined by what you've done in this human plane. You are worthy for being born. That in itself gives it inherent worth. And at the time, I couldn't accept that. I could not accept that I could be worthy just for being.
0: Tell me what you learned about vulnerability.
1: (sighs) It is strength. It's true strength. Vulnerability equals strength. Today's guest
0: is an entrepreneur, mindset coach, spiritual seeker, and the founder of Quantum Mind, a mastermind that helps people unplug from the matrix and transform their inner state. His mission is to raise the consciousness of a million entrepreneurs. Please welcome Ibrahim Cherner. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, man. I thought a good place to start would be to delve into your spiritual journey. I'm curious, was there any hints or clues early on in your life
1: that told you there was more to reality than meets the eye? Hmm. There, were, there were multiple moments. What's interesting with me is I actually did have spiritual influence growing up because my mom was always into like yoga. She's a yoga teacher. Um, my dad is very religious, he's a Muslim. And so I would see the way in which they would live and always notice that they were living by a different set of guidelines to what it seemed like the rest of society. It seemed like they had some kind of internal guidance system that they were running by. And I always found that was interesting. But when I was probably around eight or nine years old, my parents gave me the option. They said, okay, would you like to be like Christian or would you like to be like Muslim?
0: So your mom was Christian,
1: your yep. dad was Muslim? Yeah. Okay. And um, I said, okay, cool. What would a creator do in this situation? Well, creator sees limitless opportunities. And I said, I would like to be neither. Thank you. And I just became non-religious. Um, and they were both cool with that. I was very, very fortunate to have parents who were very uh, understanding. They just always, they, they gave me independent reign on my own life, which is probably the biggest gift I think a parent can give. Um, which I know a lot of people don't get. So I had that spiritual influence there. I remember when The Secret came out. I couldn't tell you the year, but I remember it being this huge thing. I was quite young at the time, and just thinking, what a load of rubbish! <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I just saw these people, you know, sitting and thinking, and you know, everything's just gonna come, ar- you know, everything's just gonna come to fruition. It's all gonna happen. And my mom really followed that, and she was really into it. So I just moved so far away from that. So the spiritual influence was actually, I was actually against it to start with. Um, yeah, I knew it was always part of me. So it was really interesting because it wasn't, um, it didn't come from necessarily a positive, um, perspective. It came from the opposite and ultimately. There are many, many moments. We can go so many places. I mean, I know you're, you like to talk about uh, mushrooms and things like that. That was definitely a moment, um, which changed changed my life. So, fast forward to eighteen years old, I go to Amsterdam with some friends, and I'm. Uh, this is I would still define this as pre spiritual awakening. So, at
0: that point, where you you said you're non
1: religious, yep. were you spiritual at all? No. Nope. Or nope. More like. Um... Just objective minded, everything 3D. I was in the 3D. I knew I wanted some kind of good life. I had ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a good person, etc. I don't even like the term good person, but you know, I was not like now. I was <laughs> I was just I was just going living you what you would imagine a normal eighteen-year-old dude. I was interested in women, I was interested in going out, partying, and so I went to Amsterdam with some friends. And um, one of my friends suggested, oh, why don't we uh, try some some mushrooms? And they were actually truffles, but I remember going into a shop and they had them all laid out. And I, remember, I still remember the ones I had, they were called Dolphin Delights. And- It's an epic name. Yeah, great, right? And it was, it was supposed to be this, like, kind of happy, uplifting experience. And dude, I was so scared. I was so scared. I'd never taken, I don't think I'd ever taken a, a drug. What was your experience or what was your opinion of psychedelics at that point? I hadn't really formed one yet. It was more, I understood that that you could see some different things. Like mm-hmm. I had no, um, there was no research. There was no prior understanding. There was no um, reverence for them at this point. And I ended up having them. I passed out instantly uh, whilst on the toilet. So I felt like I needed to shit myself whilst passing out. I woke up, my head was like this on the toilet roll, uh, in the bathroom, and then I was I was in the experience. Full on tripping. Full on tripping. What it showed me was that there is clearly a different world to the one I had I had currently been experiencing up until this moment. I didn't know what it wasn't. It wasn't a conscious experience, but I knew okay, there is something else because I'm I'm in it and that just that flipped the switch in my brain and and for many years after that I would always look back to that moment of saying like wow I've seen things I've felt things I've I know there's more and then at that point it got parked because the problem with this and I think the thing is with any plant medicines is it really all comes down to the intentionality when you Use them. What is the space? Who is guiding it? If they even have a guide, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people just use them recreationally, like I did, which I really don't recommend uh, most of the time. And so that that was the that was the first moment, and it was unconscious, right? I just fell into it. Um, but I'm so grateful for that because even though it wasn't an ideal situation, right? It wasn't like you know the Buddha had guided me from the bottom of the mountain upwards it still opened up that gateway
0: right yeah it's like once you see something you can't unsee it yes and what you saw in that experience was the reality of other planes of existence
1: Yep. yeah and the and the ego dissolving momentarily Mm. and that felt so freeing Mm. to not be associated with my thoughts even though in that experience for anyone who's done any kind of plant medicine you know you can you feel resistance right and you it's really a big part of it is being able to just surrender to that resistance i remember that when i finally did that that was when you know i could just feel the bliss for doing nothing and that was a that was a key moment was there a desire to go back to mushrooms after that first trip or you sort
0: of like you said you parked it
1: yeah the reason why was because i parked it because one it was, it was actually a really rough ride to get to, like when I like passed out and et cetera, it was, um, it, it was tough for me. Um, and it probably wasn't until six, seven years later that I went back, but this was, we'll get to that. But that was essentially like coming from a completely different consciousness, um, not just, you know, some, some guys in Amsterdam doing it for fun, very different.
0: So would you say that was your first spiritual experience, the mushrooms?
1: It was one of them. It it was one of them that another one was really just the recognition when I started meditating, probably around that time, getting to a point of stillness where I started to observe my thoughts. That was probably one of the other key moments realizing that, oh, I'm not these thoughts. Because I just thought I was my thoughts, right? And I think anyone listening, you know you're not your thoughts, right? If somebody asked you, are you your thoughts? You would say no. But do you actually know that? Because those thoughts are going around, you know, between 7,000 and 40,000 times a day, depending on which study you look at. And it's really easy to associate with them. Yeah. Really, really easy. And so that recognition, this is a lot of what I talk about is embodiment. And it's the difference between just knowing something intellectually and actually having the experience and it being in your body, right, being a, a shift that happens internally. Those those are the moments for me where they can be like, you can call it a spiritual experience, right? And they don't have to be these grandiose moments. They can be very, very simple, just like that recognition I just said.
0: So you you have the shroom experience and then you park it for a few years. What was the
1: next step in your spiritual journey? Hmm. In my spiritual journey? So alongside this, I'm, you know, I'm now like going into university. Um, I'm pursuing like economics. My plan is to go and be a banker. As, As in the matrix as you can possibly be. Like I couldn't think of anything more in the matrix unless I put on a suit and a, and the glasses and just became Agent Smith, right? Yeah. Um, so along this, along this time, I'm starting to read just alternative books. I'm starting to just do my own self-study. But what's interesting is like spirituality and business have always been two sides of the same coin for me. They've always been very interlocked, like even meditation, which has many, many different purposes and benefits. One of them you could say is focus, right? Which directly helps with business. So I was always doing these things with the goal of wanting to just improve myself so I could be more productive. Right. And so once I started to see the physical benefits in the 3D world of like, okay, I go meditate. I'm now more focused. I now do better in business. I now get, you know, more more out of the other side. That started to really re-entrain it for me. And then circling back to those when the secret came out days that started to like rewire things for me because now I could see, okay, what's the benefit in the 3D, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, I know so many guys who are just closed off to spirituality because they think it's just, you know, sitting, meditating, singing Kumbaya, which for some people it is, right? We're in Bali, right? (laughs) Like, And that's cool. Like I have total love and respect for those people. It's just not my path. Like my path is building like, Big businesses, because not just for the sake of it, it's because it's what I love to do, and it's in line with service. So when I we were talking beforehand, and I said, you know, business and spirituality are one and the same. Business really is a spiritual game. Yeah, when you said that, that really was like, ooh, like it, it kind of woke something up in me. Yeah.
0: So so explain that business is a spiritual game. Yeah. You don't see it as a money game or a. Uh, a- why 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 isn't money a spiritual game? Hmm. So do you see money in a spiritual sense? 100%. Okay, let's let's dive into that. Yeah. Like let's say someone is broke yep. and they're doing financially uh poorly. Mm-hmm. How can they turn their situation around? Would you go the spiritual route? Would you tell them to hustle and grind? What what is the where's the line?
1: It's a it's a good it's a good there's different times for different things, right? So there's a reason why if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs at the bottom of it, you've got like your basic necessities, like food, water, shelter, bottom of the pyramid, you just need these things to survive air, right? Mm -hmm. You need that. Then a couple levels above that, maybe you've got like relationships, maybe you've got like your health. And then above that, you know, as you go up, you get towards like self-actualization, which is spirituality, right? There is a reason why for a lot of people, Most people don't have their spiritual awakening until 35 years old on average, right? And you could look at different numbers, but it's around that time. There's a reason for that. It's because by that time, you've usually got your basic necessities figured out. And once you've got that, right? And and think about it from a spiritual perspective, all of that safety, that security, that's all very like root chakra based, right? It's that grounded, just foundation that you need. And for most people, when that's out of balance, right? that's that's the bottom of the pyramid so every uh, everything else is just going to come collapsing down like a cat like a house of cards until you've got that right so i'm not going to go tell someone who's completely broke just to sit there and and meditate and do mushrooms they need to go out and actually like get themselves together take responsibility from where they are accept where they are which to me is all spiritual by the way because acceptance is and surrender uh you know as is, is key to the spiritual journey it's so it is going on a spiritual journey it's just you know you might just kind of classify it differently but to me it's all one and the same because mm-hmm. every because look okay what what is the 5d right one of the things of being in the 5d is where everything is interconnected right it's oneness define the 5d for those listening yeah so for, to me personally, so you've got like the 3D, you've got the 5D. 3D is very much like you can think of it as like the Matrix, very like ego-centered separation, material. You're you know you're kind of out for yourself. You know you're competing. Oh, you've got this podcast. That guy's doing a podcast behind us. Like you need to get better numbers than than that guy, right? Very 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 three- ego driven. Ego driven, mm-hmm. right? That's where I would probably say the majority of like consciousness is right now. And then you've got the 5D, right, which seems like this magical, like unicorn wonderland. But to me, it's really just, it's love, right? It's oneness, it's connectedness, it's collaboration, it's coming together to to essentially raise the collective consciousness, right? And like, you can have experiences that open up the gateway to the 5D, for example, like mushrooms right is a very is like literally like unlocking a door and saying oh here's the 5d right if you want to like a quick way to get there if you're looking for a hack that's probably (laughs) one of the few ones right i call them like uh cheat codes in the video game yep so
0: they're planted all around the video game and you always hear about them so you can't miss it and it's
1: up to the person
0: if they want to look at the the source code behind the video game
1: i like that i like that yeah and look those those mushrooms like, like in, in the video game, they're grown, right? Nature, Mother nature, Gaia provides them for us for a reason, right? And it's whether we choose to uh, choose to use them or not, right? And you can obviously you can go way deep. We can talk for hours about like the specific nuances of it, but you, you kind of get the idea, right? One is driven by fear. The 3D mm-hmm. one is driven by love ultimately, right? And love doesn't just mean like cuddles, unicorns, and rainbows, right? Love... Love means like taking responsibility. Love means um, doing things that are hard. Love means cutting people out and putting yourself first. And this is, for me, the way I look at this is like masculinity comes into it a lot as well. And that just doesn't mean men, that means men and women. Like there's a real part of love that is very, very firm. And that also exists in the 5D, right?
0: How would a broke person Yeah. If they wanted to do it in a spiritual way yeah. and they wanted to turn their life around and their financial situation around, what is a spiritual
1: path that they could take? To, to, to me, the ultimate sp- spiritual path to what it comes down to is surrender. Because if you can surrender to the moment, truly surrender, and just basic, what does that mean? It basically just means being okay where you are to me. On a written basic terms, it means just. Whatever it is, there's a hurricane going on behind us and you're still okay, you know? That's the deepest level of surrender because when you, my secret is when people ask like, oh, like, how do you do this? How do you do that? I'm just like, I just don't mind what happens. You do have a very
0: detached um, energy, but in a, in a good way of like, I can see that nothing really bothers you or nothing really perturbs you.
1: So things, things, things bother me, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of things that get under my skin, right? All the matrix stuff that um, infuriates me. The thing is, I used to define myself as, oh, I'm not an angry guy. I don't, that's just not me. That is a lack of acceptance and surrender because here's the thing, right? I used to view anger as bad or view being frustrated as bad, quote unquote. But why is that frequency any worse than love? Who am I to judge to judge it? right? God, whoever you believe in the Creator of the universe, gave us this orchestra of different uh, frequencies and emotions we can feel inside of us and play and play with when we go to, uh, you, know, you go to an orchestra, right? And you go, oh, "How was it? How was the orchestra?" And you go, "Oh, it was so sad. I just cried the whole way through. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm like, you're going to cry and feel sad. Surely that's not a good thing. No, it was beautiful though. And you're convincing me, right? So inherently, we actually want to feel everything because without the love, without the bliss, without the joy, without the gratitude, then, you know, like we need both sides, right? Sure, we, we, need, sure. we need the, the apathy, the, you know, the fear, the grief. We need to be able to feel that because we work in that dualistic way. It's how our minds were built. To me, it's like acceptance of where you are is the deepest spiritual journey because it's the hardest thing to do. And there are so many levels to it, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, the more you go on the spiritual journey, um, it's easy to bypass, right? It's easy to, and I went through a period of that when I was like last year, anyone who knows me was the year I became a woman. What do, <laughs> I mean, what do I mean by that? I was just so in the feminine, so in flow, so just a leaf in the wind. Surrendering all day, every day, everything was falling apart in the three D around me. Businesses were falling apart, relationships <laughs> were falling apart. I had no idea where I was going. I lost twelve kilograms, but you know, I was I was in the flow, right? So you need, yeah, you know, you need both.
0: And what what did both. that teach you for this year? Are you now more balanced with yeah, not as much surrender, or how do you how do you actually balance something like surrender?
1: So. <sighs> I, I do think it can differ from between men and women, actually. I do think it can differ. I think I view surrender as a feminine quality, as a feminine frequency, um, because by default, you're allowing something to happen. It's not like a penetrative force, right? It's you have to, and, and I think this is why men particularly can find it harder than women. If you look at talk to the average woman, like they generally are like, oh, just you know just let it go right you could like you've got some big problem you know in your business and you're thinking about it, you're thinking about it and you come home to you know your girlfriend or whoever she's like oh it's fine just let it go she's nurturing mm-hmm. she can just easily just be like that's oh, fine don't worry about it right whereas like as the man you're like no like it's got to be this way It's exactly, got to happen this way exactly so in everything in every single moment of life there is an opportunity to surrender Can you be okay with an angle being slightly off in this podcast after and fully just let that go? Right? This is why business is a spiritual game. Because it's the integration of these spiritual modalities into life, into every single moment. That to me is the highest spiritual path. Because I did that. I spent that year being fully detached, out in the mountain meditating all the time. And that was great. It was lovely. But what what actually happened? Like, what did I, like, achieve physically, you know? Not that much. So that balance is key, right? And this is why I like to use opportunities in day-to-day life to surrender. Like, I'll give you a perfect example, right? So moved into this new villa uh, in Canggu, beautiful place. On the day, we were meant to move. Uh, the agent comes and says oh sorry it's not available anymore we've like paid etc we're like we're literally moving from Uluwatu which is like south Bali up up into Chengdu. but don't worry we've got this other one available oh how much is it it's kind of big it looks you know it looks kind of nice oh it's the same okay cool we get there staff of six people you know greet us the contract says a completely different number It's like three times the amount to what we paid, right? Oh, don't worry, it's fine. Like, we've spoken to the owner. Cool, okay. Turns out this woman is an international scammer. And it all kind of, this whole, like, tumble of lies gets figured out, right? And we have to leave this villa. Police are getting called. Um, Oh, I also had barley belly um, during all of this, which I'm still recovering from. Um, The timing of that, right? Yeah, And, and a host of other things right? and it tends to have i've noticed it tends to happen that way right yeah. um so all these things are happening right and so this this is this is where you ask okay how do you integ- you know how do you if you want to get out of situation if you want to go from being broke how do you incorporate the spiritual journey into that that's the opportunity right there in that moment do you decide to go into fight or flight fear mode victim mentality all 3d or do you choose to see the higher perspective? Do you choose to see the opportunity in that moment? And, you know, chose to see the opportunity in that moment. You know, figured it all out. Everything was fine. You so know? How, how
0: did you figure it out?
1: So obviously there's the physical 3D part, right? Of like having the right conversations, knowing, being able to negotiate and all these things, right? So there's all that side of it. But the, the interesting part to me is the bit before that. The interesting part is, okay, well, what state was I in? And this is the key thing, right? My, my number one asset is my state because that's the thing I'll invest most into, right? Into being, and like I always say, internal state equals external reality, right? And we can go deeper into that. But in that moment, I know there's a whole host of things that need to be dealt with. So the question is, do I come from this like tensed, fearful state of like thinking about all the worst case scenarios? Or do I just, first of all, process the situation internally take some time relax through it let it go surrender to it and then approach it from that state right and then guess what that's when the solutions came that's when we were able to figure out what's actually what what even is going on right because before that point we didn't even know we were getting scammed so it's always state first in these situations um and, that, and that's, that is the point where you are most resourceful. When you work on your own state first, that's when you're able to tap into resource, creativity, figure out solutions. So this is exactly how you get out of that state of being broke. Right? When you're in that state, you know, you're not going to want to hear, oh, just go and meditate and surrender. You, you're going to say like, F off, I need to make money. Right? And yes, while I agree, Equally, if you're doing that from a state of tension and fear, you're only going to attract more of that. You're only going to create situations that reflect that. And so, and I did this. right? I can give you, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, when I started my first marketing agency uh, out of university, so I was in my final year, I would have been like 21-ish, roughly something like that. Why did I start that business? Well, I wanted freedom and I wanted external freedom, I should say, right, so like time, finance, location, right, not I didn't know what internal freedom was at that point, which is a completely different thing which we can talk about. Um, And I wanted to escape the nine to five, I wanted to escape that whole matrix arc of working in a job. I saw my friends doing seven interviews to try and get a job at some bank only to get rejected, who are way more intellectual than me, way smarter than me, way more capable in that field. And I thought, what? Like, and I had this opportunity, I put five years into this degree, into pursuing this field of finance, and I didn't even apply for a single job. And like, my friends were like, what are you doing? That's great. That's You've just invested all of this energy and money. Like it's a ton is, of mo- It's a ton of money, right?
0: Is it because you knew that you were going to be an entrepreneur at that point?
1: It's because I knew I didn't want to go down that path. Okay. And so here's the thing, and a lot of people do that, right? A lot of people get go into entrepreneurship because they just fuck, don't want to go into nine to five. Like that's that's the matrix, right? Forget that. And I think most people, w- w- that's what they want. But here's the thing: that's still fear. It's still fear of, it's still separation, it's still resistance, mm. right? And so I bought that fear-based energy into my business unconsciously. And so guess what? That doesn't go until it's processed. It doesn't go until it's let go of. And so well then what happened is as I would build my business, I would get more clients. I remember this was a couple of years ago, like built this agency, you know, did... Did the multiple six-figure agency, like what everyone, everyone online seems to want, to, want right? And I remember being in Greece, and I was sitting on top of my Airbnb, three bedrooms, locked down, no one was there, like you were talking about, Bali. Beautiful, right? Glass of wine, watching the sunset, just the most beautiful moment. And internally, I was riddled with fear and anxiety that, Everything was just gonna fall apart, right? I was just in this fear state constantly and I, I couldn't really figure out why I was so scared. Where do you think
0: that was coming from?
1: It was coming from the fact that I bought this fear energy into the business. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't this is the thing, like your the external was say here, but my my identity and my internal world was was here. I hadn't done the inner work to to match it to my to where I was externally. And so that the internal world will always win it will always find a way to self sabotage to find a way to, to bring it back down to where you think you should be. Right? Because you you reality is essentially a reflection of your your thoughts and feelings, right? Your internal state, essentially, it just sometimes takes a little while to catch up, right? So externally,
0: you had all this success, you were sitting at this the rooftop of this Airbnb, beautiful view, internally, you were suffering. Yes. And also
1: fearful, fearful. And and the reason why this was the one of the like the toughest moments was because I could no longer say when I get there, that's when I'll be happy. I mm-hmm. couldn't. I couldn't fantasize about this better moment because I'd, I'd literally had everything I wanted externally. Like all the things I, the money, the yeah, penthouse, yeah, all of that. Yeah. I had. I had it. I was. I was living that reality um and what was funny is i was actually I was on the way here this morning and i was on a on my scooter beautiful sunny day on the way to come and do this podcast and i was just like i just had this little moment to myself where i just had a little smile because i was like oh yeah this is exactly the reality that i'd been like creating internally for like the last couple months and and here we are huh. like exactly it right and it's it's beautiful to have those moments because it's just always good confirmation Right. There's always a little bit of a delay,
0: right? There's always a delay. So it's interesting when you finally reach that 3D point and you're like, oh yeah, this is what I was intending three months ago, two months ago.
1: Yep. And there's a, I, I like to put everything into equations. So my, my equation for creation is um, having a clear intention, mm-hmm. right? So just a very, this is what I want to happen. Like physically, like I'm you know thinking this in my mind, plus aligned action. This is where it differs from the secret. It takes action. (laughs) It takes action. It takes (laughs) action. (laughs) Aligned action, minus attachment. Mm. And this was the bit I figured out afterwards. It's minus attachment. You have to take away the attachment to the outcome. That's the that is the secret to having any reality you want, because. What happens is if you, when you have the attachment on it, right? Like I did with this business, this is the perfect example. Actually, I didn't even realize this, right? I had this vision of wanting this business, who that made me in society and the life I could live and what I could provide, etc. But I was so attached to needing that to happen that it was always creating um, a gap between me and that thing. And I momentarily had it. And in this moment in time, I had it. But here's the thing. I create. I created the scenario where it all came toppling down. Within 48 hours, half of my client base cancelled, seemingly out of nowhere for no reason, right? And the funniest thing was, is I was smiling inside. I was laughing. The only thing I could do was laugh. Like, worst case scenario in my mind had just happened, and all I could do was laugh because I was like, oh, yeah, I created this.
0: Yeah, I heard you talk about how, like, in the few days leading up to that, you were actually scared that you were going to lose your clients. Yep. And then only took a few days and the exact manifestation happened. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So we're always manifesting stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Every single moment. But no one wants to pay attention to the things we're manifesting that we don't want.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so this is why when we talk about like manifestation and spirituality, it's all beautiful stuff and the intention is beautiful, but it requires releasing of, all programming, all like held traumas first, because otherwise you're just manifesting shit you don't want. And so that's why it takes that inner work. And that's why I don't even like in my mastermind, like I don't I I, I don't even share a lot of those like techniques and things yet because I want to make sure we've like cleaned everything out first. Right. So then you can manifest from a pure state because otherwise you're manifesting with distortions right manifesting based on ego and you know you can do that but it's just it's clearing those blocks right clearing exactly. doing the inner work yeah it's easier to just like let go of the rubber band right you always hear that rubber band or slingshot analogy it's so much easier just to like let it go and just uh-huh. you, you get the slingshot effect forward so yeah. i'll circle back to the clearing the
0: blocks sure i'd love to jump into your story going from 5 3d to 5d going from you know losing all your clients to going on this spiritual journey because mm. i like you know we talked a little bit about it last week and i found it so fascinating um would you do the honor of telling us the story of
1: you know this whole journey that you went on yeah god so what's interesting with i've noticed with any spiritual journey is it's it's so non-linear right it's um it and you can explain it in a linear way, but the reality is these things happen in in such a you know a, cr- a crazy and chaotic way. But that's the only way it can happen because by default, anything in that realm is um, not is non logical, right? You're moving into like what I perceive as moving with intuition. You move from matter to energy, right? That's a that's a big shift, right? That was one of the big shifts I had, which I, I guess I can start with there, which is like you knock on this table you would say it's a wooden table physically made of wood right well what's that wood made of it's atoms right what are those atoms made of well they're 99 percent space what's inside that space energy yeah so this was a a really big shift for me when i started to this was when i started to perceive the world energetically and start to look at things energetically and this just a lot of this stuff there is plenty of science to this and I I went down the scientific route like people like Joe Dispenza starting to understand like quantum physics a little bit more you know this stuff's only been around for 100 years right that's when it was essentially born all of this new science and some of it's even newer than that so I also I mean, science is always evolving, right? So to me, like there are no absolute truths. I mean, there are some absolute truths like gravity, for example, but there are very few absolute truths. And so with this, it's constantly evolving. That was one of the first big shifts. It was viewing the world from matter to energy. So, you know, we are energetic beings. How do we, why are we here right now, right? If we had, sure, you know, our stories were interesting and we, we got along from, from that perspective, but on a different plane, energetically, we, you know, we vibed. Well, what, does, what does that even mean, right? Mm. Like, oh, I like this person's vibes. Well, vibe is short for vibration, right? Right now. It's like matching frequencies. Exactly. So I started to really go down that route of just viewing things energetically and saying, okay, well, if, let's take for example, right? Um, I choose to to work with someone or not. So previously in the 3D, I would say, I spent 100K on self-education courses, all that kind of stuff, right? I'd be like, does this person have the results I want? Yes, work with them. No, not work with them. Mm -hmm. That that was the filtering mechanism I would use. Now, from a 5D perspective, that is, yes, still one of the criteria, but way above that is, first of all, do I feel love from this person? Do I feel kindness from this person? Mm -hmm. And that is the um like that's like i'll have that force field essentially around us and intertwining the energy with that we have um energy fields around us right auras taurus fields like right? they're explained in many different ways so we all physically have this and i'd highly recommend dude if you've never had your energy field like tested uh if you've i don't know if you knew that's possible or, or anything like that but i had this done where the, basically there was this machine created by accident by these two russian scientists uh, as good as a, as a story can get <laughs> and they basically created this machine that can measure energy fields okay and so it's basically uh you hold on to these uh, two metal uh, grips and then there's a camera and basically you can see your aura and so that was a like a A shift as well for me because for the first time I could see and then somebody interpreted that you could see all the colors all the different chakras where they're residing and it's a snapshot in time of what your current energy is like so you've done this i've done this
0: yeah you have photos of of i have photos yeah wow i'd love to
1: see those i can yeah i can send you one.
0: can you can you like take um for example can you go back to this machine now and compare
1: your aura now to what it was yeah before 100 percent. have you done that well here's the thing your aura is always changing in every moment yeah. Okay, so your aura is a reflection of what's happening in the present moment. So it's always moving, right? Your aura isn't isn't stagnant, right? But you would definitely, like if you were to measure the aura of someone who's like in, enlightened versus, you know, someone who's very much in the 3D, you would see the humongous difference, right? Heart coherence, how open is, you can see like, I could see how open my third eye was, which for me it was very open. They were surprised by that. Uh, a lot of like root chakra, so there's a lot of red. So like, I'm a very grounded person, right? So let's to link this back to like 3D. Like most people will say, oh, you seem like a very grounded person or you seem pretty detached from things. You could say that's like a personality trait from a 5D perspective, from a spiritual perspective. My root chakra is very like open. It's very just like solid, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's been something that is just naturally within my, Uh, genetics it's within my like I'm a Virgo it's part of my like astrology it's part of my like human design you know you can use all of these different modalities for confirmation of this but yeah essentially like viewing the world energetically was one of those big shifts right and I, I just got super super excited by the prospect that we are all energetic beings right and then I would start to have experiences so I would start to you know, I would work with, um, for example, like there's a quantum kinesiologist that I work with called Beth, and she's worked with so many of my friends now. Every time I introduce her to someone, I go, hey, this is Beth. I have no idea what she does, but she's amazing. <laughs> just you guys need to work work together and, you know, the mind will be blown. To give like some context, right? So imagine she's connected to source energy. Okay, she's completely just connected and imagine you're an open book and i'm just reading you like your entire past all timelines all future possibilities i'm just reading you and how do you know this is true and not some made up stuff because one like the the things that i said are 100 accurate but then two you just feel it right you feel it in your body and this is really the movement from the 3 to the 5d this is probably one of the biggest areas of resistance for people is because you do move from the logical mind and start to incorporate the heart, the feeling body. And this is really where, you know, it's it's completely against everything that's been programmed into society by the matrix, right? Feeling like, Oh, don't cry. Big boys don't cry. Just get over it. Be a man. All of this external programming is saying, do not feel. Feeling is weak, right? You go to any boardroom, that like you know locker room talk like don't be a don't be a bitch don't be a you know don't be a pussy all of this stuff is saying don't feel essentially feelings for women so if so to be able to move lean into that takes the removal of all of that conditioning and this is why i like to always bring it back down to you know the street bring it back down into the 3d and to show Well, here's the benefit of doing that. Here's how you have a physical better life. Here's what you can access by going into that.
0: It's like integration too, right? Because if you can integrate the 5D perspective with the 3D, I feel like that's the healthiest way of of seeing the world. Because we are living in a 3D uh, universe, at least at this moment. And so just being in the 5D can be a little bit like floaty, you know, like you're not grounded. Whereas when you bring it back
1: to the 3D, you can have both perspectives for sure. Like, wh- Why do you think you came here to this Earth, not to this podcast? Why do you think? <laughs> wh- why do you think you came to Earth from your perspective? I've thought about this a lot, and I've also asked
0: ayahuasca about it when I when I was doing my first ceremony. So, I think purpose-wise, I came here to uh, raise the consciousness of humanity, and also uh, introduce plant medicine to more people. And that's a big part of my mission. Mm -hmm. But there is also part of me that feels like that we come here to just have fun as well. Like that it's a fun experience to become human for 60, 70, 80 years. And so, um, part of me just thinks like we, we come here many times to, to experience life,
1: learn lessons, go back. It's like a school. But why? Why do you ask? I think moving into as you go on the spiritual journey, it can be it can be easy just to want to be you know in service, just to want to be in the five D, just to want to help people. Uh-huh. And whilst that is beautiful, it needs to be balanced with having a three D grounded human experience and experiencing everything that comes with that. Because otherwise, you're denying part of your existence. So it's beautiful that you feel there's both um e- equally you can be too far on the other end which is just having that 3d experience right and and denying the spirit within mm-hmm. and so let me take you back to that the you're in greece
0: was that like one of the toughest times for you in life
1: yeah it was it was definitely one of the toughest times there were other times as well where i was like struggle financially like um that was a big part of my journey as well. I think it's for a lot of guys' um, finances, right? Scarcity is one of the things programmed into the 3D, right? It's also because men define themselves by money so yeah. much. Self-worth. Mm. We, we can talk about self-worth as well because yeah. it's it's hugely tied to money, typically. What is the link between self-worth and success and self-worth and money? It's massive, massively intertwined. And when I realized this, when I realized that the guys who are most successful, have very high self-worth, even if it's not warranted self-worth. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yet they're still successful. I was like, okay, there's something I get to figure out here, right? But how can I do this in an integrated way? So for the longest time, I didn't even know self-worth was a thing. I didn't even... If you ask... So I the first time I heard about it was I was at university in our enterprise center. So it's like our business center. And uh, the head of enterprise name was Finbar. Said you know one of the things I think young entrepreneurs struggle with is self worth and that was the first time I heard self worth and I was like ah oh, okay so that's like what you what you're what you're worth like is that financial worth or like what is that right <laughs> yeah but it planted the seed and truly when I understood what self worth was wasn't even that many years ago it was during my first ayahuasca experience it was when I went and sat with Mother Ayah. And she took me through the roughest ride of my life. Uh, it was deeply, physically painful, emotionally painful, mentally painful, spiritually painful. It was complete disillusion of myself, and I realised after going through this experience. And I remember laying on on my side. I right? usually lay on like a a mat or a blanket or something and I remember I was in the fetal position and I was just covered by this blanket by this white thin blanket and I remember opening my eyes it was the morning after and I just remember feeling so fragile I felt like if you just touched me I would have just shattered Um, it felt like all of the layers of armor of protection of ego had just been fully removed Mm -hmm. and as I got out of that blanket it was like being reborn like a little baby bird and i just remember I've got, I've got goosebumps on my arms right now you can probably see um this was one of the most pivotal points of my life because i realized that i had very little self-worth and it was a scary moment because my ego was saying what do you mean you've got plenty of things to be worthy for you should be worthy for this you're this person and it was all external I didn't even feel I was with some friends and an ex at the time. I didn't feel worthy of even having those relationships with those people. And the shaman who's incredible, his name's Anthony, one of just beautiful soul, explained to me what that was and what self-worth was. And we used that as the talking point for the whole group. And that was where the healing journey began of self-worth, of realizing that what he said to me was that your worth is not defined by what you've done in this human plane. You are worthy for being born. That in it itself gives it inherent worth. And at the time, I, didn't, I couldn't accept that. I could not accept that I could be worthy just for being. I, f- I think particularly in men, I think it's slightly different with men and women. I think a, a women can accept that a little bit easier, but as a man, there is an element where we do create our own value right there's a real thing to that right through building through creating through becoming more intelligent so that we can do things there's a real part to that right so so that part which i knew then and still do believe to be true that we do create our own value Mm. couldn't accept the the self-worth part how could i be worthy if i'm like laying back just for being born just for being born right how does that give me any worth right so it's a bit of a dichotomy
0: and so how did you come to understand that?
1: It was a journey. Um it was a real journey. I would say one of the pivotal moments was was working with another shaman, funnily enough, um not in plant medicine. I worked with someone called a hayoka, which is essentially means sacred clown, and we went through this process to uh which he would describe as trauma release, essentially going back to moments in the past and going through a specific process to release them energetically which i did and i realized that so many of the things that had caused me pain whether it was a heartbreak whether it was you know my my parents splitting up my dad leaving and me grabbing onto his leg not wanting him to leave and feeling unworthy as that little child you know all these micro moments that build up this use case to create the illusion that I was not worthy I was able to let them go and I was able to do that myself I was able to do that by by self self-processing it by by allowing the energy to pass because essentially the only, the way these things are created is just simply by the mind so the memory repeating that memory in the mind which then causes an emotion in the body and what is an emotion it's energy in motion so it's energy which gets trapped in the body mm-hmm. and that's what causes the lack of self-worth that's what causes the heartbreak that's what causes you know the resentment to to the ex that's what causes the the anger right stuck energy it, stuck energy that's all it is on the most foundational level you can use any modality you can use plant medicine you can use therapy you can use going to a retreat, you can use doing 10 days in darkness, you can use any modality at its core, what's happening is you're just releasing energy and energy wants to flow. All energy wants to do is flow, can't be created or destroyed. So until we realize that we are the only ones keeping that energy trapped, it is our decision, whether that's a conscious decision or unconscious decision, I would argue it's almost always unconscious, Once we accept that and take responsibility for our own, you know, for our state where we are, then we can say, okay, actually, I can release this now. And that's why, for some people, 10 years of therapy to get to the point where they realize that their mom actually did love them or their dad was actually proud of them can be the right path for them. But for me, I'm always like, how can we shortcut this, right? I don't want to spend 10 years. I don't want to go work 50 years. I don't want Classic
0: to. Classic entrepreneur. Yeah,
1: I'm like, <laughs> we got to figure out a way to, to do this quicker. And so straight to the root cause, you know, and this is now he initiated me into this process and I've developed my own process for this. Um, because also, for you know, you got to be at a certain level of consciousness to even be able to do that, right? Anyone can benefit from it, but it helps more when you've, you know, you've, you've, um, developed your own intuition you've expanded your own consciousness first and so when i was able to release that and how do you know when you've released it ibrahim how do you know when you've actually released it right god that's a good question right took me a while to figure this out as well but here's the here's the scoop you've released it when it no longer brings up any emotion any sensation that's when it's gone right when it's neutral when it's neutral yeah Mm -hmm. or Even better than that, I can now look back at previous events and traumas. And I, I, like, even now I'm smiling because, like, I'm laughing. I'm like, I'm in joy about them. I'm like, oh, wow, that caused me pain for so long. It's, It's funny, right? And this is when I also learned, right? Sacred clown, Hayoka, I'm laughing through this process. I'm having, like, a beautiful time. I'm literally in pain after. From my stomach being tense from laughing so much, like I've literally got mm. those like stitches in my stomach.
0: So is that why it's called
1: sacred clown? Yeah, I mean you can Google Heyoka like sure. after to what to what it actually is, but essentially it's it's you know, humor is part of that process. For me personally, I do think that there's a time and a place for humor, so I don't always use it. Going because you know I've t- I've I've guided people through the most traumatic. Things any human can experience to be able to release. Um, And so, you know, I have a very high degree of reverence. There's a time and a place to to create certain humorous moments, you know, Uh, it it very much depends. And that's why, you know, with my mission to want to help millions of people go through this process, I'm still in this process of like figuring out, okay, how do I make this applicable so they don't have to book, you know, to be able to have the finances, first of all, to book a session with me. For then also, for the other constraint is for me to, I can only do so many of these sessions, right? One-on-one. So how can I make this applicable to everybody, right? And that's my current like path, what I'm also working on, right? To be able to make, because everyone can do this. I fully believe everyone can access this ability to release, I don't even like the word trauma, Just just release, right? Can you run us through a process of
0: how someone might be able to release trauma? yeah is this something someone has to have a guide for or can they do it themselves?
1: no you can absolutely do it yourselves right it, of course like with anything right you get a one-on-one coach in the gym you're probably going to get different results to if you're just going to the gym for your first time however you can absolutely do it right and you're and everyone's already doing this right when you cry and you know from you're something releasing. hard, you're releasing right so and how do you feel after crying i have so many girlfriends who are just like "How's your day oh I just spent the morning for the first hour crying and they're so happy and i'm like really like, <laughs> and you're you're having a good day they're like oh, i'm having the best day you know what did you do i just had a controlled cry earlier yeah, controlled um, cry yeah one of my friends does that which i thought was dope uh what, had, what is the controlled cry just you know some something so in in this specific example so she's you know she's very busy life, you know, busy job, all these things.
0: I only have 15 minutes exactly. to Exactly.
1: All right. Get the tissue box out. Let's go. I've released 40%. All right. I'll do the other 40% when I get back from work. So you can, you can make this as practical as you want. Right.
0: That doesn't sound healthy.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. I, But every, but that's the thing. It's meeting people where they're at. Yeah. yeah. You For know sure. what I mean? Meeting people where they're but at. It is funny. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious as well. Um, so she book it in her calendar like, yeah.
0: <laughs> Monday, nine to nine fifteen.
1: Yep. Yeah. Any, any high flying female execs, if you don't have time for uh, letting go, you know, just put it in the calendar. Right? Oh man. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so yeah, run me through, um, run me through a process that maybe the listeners can go through if they're feeling stuck energy or trauma that keeps coming up for them.
1: Yeah, so that that's the place to start, right? It's what is coming up. Mm. Right? That's the place to start because if you're just curious, that's not a good enough reason in my experience, right? Curiosity is great and it's good to, and I'm a very curious person, but there needs to be a real um there needs to be an emotional charge attached to the reason you're doing something. There needs to be a clear intention and purpose because that's what you're actually going to get out of it. If you're just kind of curious showing up to something, well, guess what? The results you get are going to be just all right. They're going to be okay, right? So you've, gotta, you've got to... And this is why acceptance is so key because you've got to first of all accept where you are mm. and be like, okay, I'm heartbroken right now, right? And sometimes... You can you can just be lying to yourself, right? I've been in that situation and be like, oh yeah, I've you know experienced heartbreak a couple times. I'm fine. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Just like using this energy for positivity whilst denying that, right? So like heartbreak is a typical great grief. One. As yeah, well, grief. Right? Not allowing yeah. oneself to grieve. Yeah. Or if you've experienced any you know, physical uh, trauma, that can be something that gets really trapped, right? Whether that's, you know, when you're younger, um, these things that you typically really notice yourself pushing down, what's the thing that you find yourself just running away from, you know? And here's the thing. When, a, when this event happened originally, let's say it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it was stored in the body. So that event, when that happened, let's just let's just use. Uh, if you can use
0: a can you use a personal example.
1: Yeah, I'll use a personal example. So I'll use the example of my. So my parents, you know, split up like seven times when I was growing up, and to me, it was it was it was like not weird at all. It was just kind of part of it was my reality, right? So they, seven times that it felt normal to you. It felt like normal but not easy right so one of the times i remember my dad leaving he didn't want he didn't want to leave us like my dad loved my sister and i so deeply but because of my parents situation like he was leaving right they just couldn't do it anymore and as he was leaving i was standing in the hallway of my house and he walked out of the door with his stuff and i just remember leaving my mom's side running up to him and grabbing his leg
0: okay because you didn't want him to leave. i didn't want him
1: to leave right yeah. and he actually turned around and stayed and he and that was all i wanted right and i was i remember being so like happy is not even the right word it was just like oh okay like it was like survival it was it felt like a survival mechanism like no. oh okay like i've got my protector here you know relief probably as yeah well but from that moment it was always i always then felt like hmm something's off and i didn't know it was like not you know not feeling love like not feeling worthy at that time i was just a young kid right but i always felt a little bit different after that so that's an example where you know you could you would say there is like some self worth to be released that quote unquote trauma but it doesn't even matter how it's labeled because from a again just going straight down to the root cause it's it's the it's energy right it's the emotion that is trapped in the body so let's say right in that exact same scenario dad was leaving i ran out grabbed his leg he then stayed
2: Mm.
1: but i didn't choose to attach any meaning to that i was like oh my dad's staying now Mm. let's just say that switch was missing in my brain no trauma created. No stuck energy. Because it's just an event happening. Yeah. And this is the thing. This is like moving from 3D to 5D. Part of that movement is going from, how I always say, like victim to creator. Okay. There is no bad event. There is nothing. From a high perspective, it just is. Right. It's the meaning and perception that we give that event. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And only we give it that meaning. Consciously or unconsciously. And so in that second scenario where he then stays and I go, oh, cool, dad's staying. And I just move on with my day, right? What happens when you you know, you step on your dog's foot, it screeches, it will bark, it will shiver for a moment, it will shake. And five seconds later, he's licking your foot again. He's happy, mm-hmm. right? Because he's processed it, that he's in the moment. And that's innately like what we can do. We can all do that and this is why i talk about using life's provocation situations as opportunities in the moment i think that's the most powerful right so that's how you can start processing right now
0: and so this event with your dad were you able to process that with the shaman or by yourself later on in life
1: it, it happened in spurts because i didn't have a like a robust system like i have now <laughs> to, to, to processing so part of it also happened during a second A plant medicine ceremony, where I was working with uh, peyote. Mm. Yeah, so it's like a a father medicine, very different to ayahuasca. Um, And I really connected with my dad during that, and I realised how, um, how much unconscious resentment I had towards him because he wasn't around like I wanted him to be because. Uh, he said no to things because he was always stern and strict because, you know, um, name the name the story. Um, and then in that ceremony, I realized that he's a 60-year-old man who came to the UK at nine years old from Africa, where they were living an amazing life and had to come here basically at gunpoint with the opportunity to start a new life from scratch with nothing. So he went from living this amazing life to not poverty, but like on that line. So all he knew was hard work. And why did he want to work hard to provide for the family? So all of that time he was sacrificing for me. And I never really even felt the true gratitude for that i only saw myself through the victim lens is what it came down to of like oh why i wish she was around more etc
0: and to be fair as a kid we don't have that awareness the higher awareness of our parents are trying to they're doing their best yeah and they have their own traumas that they might not have healed um it's only when you grow up that you really realize the sacrifices they've made to make, to provide for you. And so I guess that's why it's so easy for as kids and teenagers to have that stuck energy and to accumulate trauma, Yep. right? What did peyote teach you about your dad or about your relationship
1: with your dad that helped you unblock that trauma? It helped me realize that he's a human being. He's not a superhero. Mm because I viewed him as my dad, right? Mm. Even that's a label. His name's Zul. Zulfika is his name. Cool name. (laughs) Yeah, it's a cool name, right? I realized that he was a person and he was, like you said, doing the best that he could do. And that fundamentally changed my relationship with him because now I could view him in that way, not just as my dad. Mm -hmm. Right, which has a whole host of attachments and connotations and responsibilities around it. I could also view him as a person, right? And God, I felt just the amount of love that opened up in my own heart, which I could now encompass him in. When I realised that was beautiful, and I didn't, and again, I was unconscious to this. I didn't know that was there. If you asked me before that, I'd say I've got a great relationship with my dad Mm -hmm. because, on many levels, we did right? But the, the the plant medicine showed me what was yet to be revealed, the peyote. And from that point, our relationship has just blossomed. Um, not because I told him about that experience. I think he wouldn't even have a clue. Even if I explained it to him in this depth, he wouldn't have a clue what that meant. But just from my side, the trauma being healed, it healed our relationship. And now we have these like beautiful in-depth, four hour long calls you know, we used to I used to have so much resistance to his religion following Islam. I'm spiritual, you're religious, we have different views. And now just again, it's all the same. Like the essence is, yes, there are many parts that I don't agree with, but at its essence from a higher perspective, it's all pointing towards the same thing. Um so yeah, it completely healed and transformed our relationship. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like um peyote
0: is a, a powerful medicine. Yeah. I haven't done it. I've only done well. I've done ayahuasca. I've done mushrooms. A couple other things. What was the lessons you learned
1: from ayahuasca? Oh man, how long we got? <laughs> <laughs> I I would say the the biggest one was around self worth, like we talked about. I think yeah. that was that was the core. Um, I've had a few experiences with ayah. Um, I realized that as well. We can also have all of the intentions we want. We can have all of the goals we want. Mm. And ultimately, if the universe has another plan, that's what will happen. Do you believe in destiny? Someone asked me this a few a few days ago, actually. And my inst no, I'd never thought about it before. My instant um response was like, mm. like, <laughs> I don't know if I wanna resistance. Yeah, it was a resistance, right? It was um is everything I view it as like I think it's kind of predetermined in a a way uh, with Mm -hmm. destiny like it was destiny I would meet this person and I the honest answer is I don't know Um, what I would say is I do believe there are probabilities for things so I do believe that there are parallel universes I do believe that um, there are multiple timelines and everything happens simultaneously and it is a decision in this current incarnation that determines whether we move on to this timeline or that timeline Mm. so from a from a very high perspective i guess i would say yes i do believe in destiny because ultimately like we're playing out all of these different versions of this game and it will it will move towards the same thing however in in this specific 3d incarnation i think that there are many many ways it, it could go in terms of destiny right it could be one of infinite opportunities and it's the decision that we choose to making this hologram in this game yeah. that determines it i like that you said hologram do you think the true
0: nature of reality is it a dream a hologram a simulation have you
1: mm. have you thought about this i've i've pontificated pontificated <laughs> <laughs> meaning i don't have a uh, a solid stance on it yet um, I think the beauty of of choosing to um, pursue a spiritual path is that you um, basically get to spend this whole life figuring it out right? which to me is the mm-hmm. funnest thing like the games I used to play, like a game I used to be obsessed with was called RuneScape which is basically this like li- this game with like unlimited levels where you could just continue playing it forever and never reach an end I love that. For certain people, they would hate that. They need to know, like, once I get to level 100, it's completed and I put the game down. But for me, I just want to keep playing the game. And it's that constant pursuit of that process and journey that keeps me excited.
0: Legend has it Ibrahim is still playing RuneScape.
1: (laughs) Level 135 out of 138. (laughs) So I've still got some levels to go. Um, I actually logged back into that game a few years ago. And God, I just couldn't play it anymore. I like, really wanted to for the nostalgia. You outgrow things. Yeah, I, re- I was just like, this video game is way more fun. The one we're playing right now is, is way better, you know. Yeah, it's no, just it's, it's so game. true.
0: Like, I, I used to love watching movies, but it's hard for me to watch movies now because this is the ultimate movie. These The characters around me, the storyline I'm going on, that matters to me much more now than watching something made up, you know, on the screen.
1: Have you watched The Truman Show? I love that movie. It's one of yeah. my favorites. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. So uh, Jim Carrey is one of my... Fa- f- there are very few people in the world that I quote unquote look up to. Mm. He is one of the very, very few. I always loved him as a child um, just because I just felt like he just didn't give a fuck. Mm. He would just have this ridiculous humor and it was just because he wanted to like give people some relief. He just wanted to like allow people to just like just like laugh right and and he was and he didn't mind making a fool out of himself he didn't mind playing the jester mm. and now you know he's well he's uh let's say got to the highest holly you know highest points of success in hollywood he's seen you know the things that are going on in the new world order and all, all of these things right he's he's seen it firsthand and you know he talks at, he speaks out about it vocally at the risk of his own life realistically like that's how how serious it goes right people get deleted it it happens right Mm -hmm. it's an accident on the news but it, it happens and that's part of the reality we live in Yet he still still speaks out about it and does it with humor and i think that's what gives him his edge because he's doing it in a humorous way people can still like basically you choose to read between the lines right you choose to see what he's actually saying and that's why I asked you if you'd seen the Truman show because he's essentially doing that in that in that movie.
0: Mm-hmm. That movie is powerful.
1: Yeah. It probably has some deep parallels to to this reality. Oh, it does. Yeah. It does. I, yeah. It does, absolutely. Like sometimes I feel like I'm living in that. Mm. You know. Well in, in what way? In the sense that so in in this uh just for, to give context for people, like in this movie, basically. Jim Carrey is living in a, on kind of like an island, but just imagine like a suburban kind of typical, like American, you know, white picket fence, has his job of selling insurance, goes to work every day, um, sees the same kinds of people, has his loving wife who wants a child. And he's living in this reality that is completely orchestrated. He's actually living on a movie set where every single person around him is, um, fucking pretending <laughs> right he's part of the show and everything is for sale in this world like everything's an advertisement everything is just being pulled by the puppet masters above and he has no idea he's in it right until he starts realizing until he starts realizing and um it's just like the matrix right so i love that movie as as well right It's it's basically the same it's just it's just in a humorous way how do you feel define the matrix in terms
0: of this reality and what is matrix programming and how do these programs run us
1: so i would say a matrix program first of all is just in a simple way right it's just like a it's basically your mind a false belief in your mind that keeps you enslaved within the 3d right so so keep let's break that down false belief first of all right so belief i.e that may not be real in your mind which your mind is not you. Your mind is something separate that keeps you enslaved. What does that mean? Like trapped essentially in the 3D, right? So the matrix, which is essentially everything around us, mm-hmm. right? It's something you can't, like Morpheus says, you can't, you can't uh, see, smell, or touch it, right? It's the media, it's the education system, it's the, the entire like, world we live in. That is basically programming the whole society from birth to think and act a certain way, to 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 go on a certain path that benefits the puppet masters, right? And obviously, there's the movie on it, which had still gets talked about to this day and is still highly relevant. Like, why that movie was made like 20 years ago? Like, why is that movie still relevant? Because it has a deep resonance within us, right? on some level we realize that we're being harnessed for or being used for for something else and the degree of how sinister that goes depends on how much research you've done yourself. Um, I do believe it's very sinister. And from my own research and I would say just to connect that with the 5D part of my own journey was as I went on this spiritual journey and it was love and it was light and it was so beautiful. Right. I didn't want to acknowledge that mm. because why would I want to give attention to something so sinister? Cause once you go down that rabbit hole and you start to then if you suddenly like things collapse real quick, when you start to realize that Well, in that case, that means this is affecting like the highest people in government, it's affecting, you know, the people you look up to most people in like celebrity, education systems media systems you realize you basically just follow the money and you realize that the whole world is orchestrated by literally a couple of people which is crazy and you can just follow it you can do your own research just follow the money always whenever you're doing your research it's dark (laughs) frankly it's very very dark and so this is why i don't even though i have very strong beliefs about this i don't push this too hard because I don't think a lot of people are ready to um, actually even acknowledge it like I've had many conversations with people where I'm like this thing that thing this was this was fake this didn't happen this is the real agenda here look at the last couple of years climate change all these things right but the thing is is to to believe that then your whole freaking paradigm of the world has to get broken, right? And that's just too much for a lot of people to accept. And so I intentionally only started looking at that once I knew I could hold enough love and acceptance in my own heart, once I'd done enough healing myself to be at the point where I can can hold this reality in love and I can still have full love and acceptance for all of what's going on. Child sex trafficking right, um, things going on with jabs, right, all of these different things, to be able to acknowledge that that exists requires such a, a high level of love for self and the world, to not go into a deep, dark hole of depression and apathy and think, well, what's the point? So I choose to educate myself, I choose to have this knowledge, so I'm not ignorant, Um so i can acknowledge what's really going on and at the same time um, hold space for other people going through that equally i don't talk too much about it because i just don't think people are ready to even accept that and also you know everyone thinks you're a crazy conspiracy theorist which is fun in itself but you know that's a whole, whole other story
0: <laughs> how do you balance that perspective of on the one hand, from the 5D perspective, everything is perfect. Everything is love. Everything is light. And then this other perspective of, well, actually, if you look deeper into some of this stuff, it it's quite dark and quite,
1: um, quite scary. That's I'm so glad you asked that, because there is no other hand, right? There's no like one side and the other, right? So the mind works on dualism yet it's all the same all, all of that darkness by default is from a 5D perspective is part of love right? so there is no balance from the highest perspective there isn't now there's the human game where you're like how can this exist that's a different that's a different um, thing to deal with, that's where it comes down to my perspective being able to accept what is process and then choose okay well where do i go from here and that's where that's that's a different human game but from there is no dualism between these two things from the highest perspective it's all one one
0: thing i've noticed in some of my friends is they get pulled into these rabbit holes and it becomes their whole life which i think is unhealthy as well in that they're, they're constantly talking about all these scary things that are happening, um, but they lose sight of their own mission and they lose sight of the good in life, maybe. So have you, have you seen that in your friends or have you experienced that where there needs to be a healthy balance between knowing the truth but also not getting dragged into that energy? Because yeah. then you're of no help to anyone.
1: I think we all have a very unique life path, right? And I guess destiny can come into that as well. I don't think there's one right way to do it. I think for some people going really deep down that rabbit hole is maybe their calling in this, in this life, right? And to, and to be that seemingly crazy, obsessed person resonates with a certain number of souls in this reality, right? And so that's, in one way, you could say they are fulfilling their dharma, right? They're fulfilling their message, The issue
0: is not that they're going deep into it, but that they're... Consumed by it, or...? There's no, like, actions that they can really take to solve all these big, scary problems. I get what you're saying. And so when I look at that, I'm like, yes, you know a lot, and you're going on these forums, and you're teaching all your friends about it, but you're not changing it. And you have no power to change it, some of these things. So that dilemma of this thing is happening, that's evil. Yes. And, you know, like, what can you do about it other than hold a sign somewhere, which doesn't really work. <laughs> so, hold it for long enough. Maybe so. <laughs> I have friends who hold signs oh, like really? that. And I've never seen anything good or real change come out of it, other than their own ego gets a little bit
1: um, stroked because, well, we went out and we held these signs so, okay, let's use that example, right? Because holding a sign, going out, maybe some kind of little protest, what, like whatever, right? From a higher perspective, to me, anything that is re- coming from resistance is just perpetuating the issue. Anytime there's a protest, right? The guy's above are laughing because while people are, even if it's a quote unquote peaceful protest, you're still protesting, right? It's still resistance. When you're in resistance, things don't get solved right? That's that's not when issues get get fixed. And they know this. This is why every freaking war has been orchestrated. This is why when the scandemic ended and now there's a war in Korea. Korea, sorry, in Ukraine. It's weird how that just kind of ended and then next day the war started, right, according to the media. It's really strange how that happened. <laughs> like, oh, that just went away. Now there's a war. Let's just focus on that. Oh, actually, no, now let's focus on uh, climate change. Can't call it global warming because... uh Well, it's warming, so we need to call it change, right? Like it's all orchestrated and you can argue that with me until the clouds go home. I'm not gonna argue. I'm just gonna say you gotta realize ultimately someone's making up a story and you're choosing to listen to that story, right? So this is why I always say like don't listen to what I say, do your own research and then come to your own conclusion. So when you come when you say about friends holding signs, you know. I've never been a sign holding kind of person. (laughs) I've never, I've never, even for things I agree with, I've never, I never protested once against the whole, this whole thing. Uh, There was a lot of it going on around me. I've walked through protests. But when I saw what was actually happening on the streets, when I saw women getting beaten, this is in the UK, getting beaten down by police officers with batons, I'm like, how is, how is this solving anything? You know, like the people we support, quote unquote, trust are basically no different from the mafia in that scenario. right? They're just beating down women. That's not solving anything. So the only way to make change is to first take responsibility for yourself. And it's typically people who don't have their own house in order, who want to give the most advice, who want to say the most, right? If you want advice from someone, go to someone who has none of their shit figured out and they'll talk to you all day long. But if you want to get advice from someone who has got their shit figured out, it's probably going to take you a few weeks to get a meeting with them. Right? And there's a reason for that. So... The reason being that they're too busy (laughs) living their own life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, anything valuable is hard to attain. Yeah. Like, sorry, but that's the truth. (laughs) Right? It takes work. It takes, you know, going on, traveling around the world sometimes. It takes really putting yourself out there, like, going deep. Mm-hmm. And figuring this stuff out it's not anything worth having isn't easy by default, otherwise it's not valuable right yeah like this ring this ring isn't valuable okay, it's gold, but it's not it's only valuable because it's hard to attain and because we then decide to put value on that right if it was you know if it was this glass, this is easy to attain so it's not valuable right or the perception we give it at least so it's the way I look at it is you can put your attention into different buckets, right? You can put it into what's wrong. You can put it into action. You can put it into yourself. You decide where you put your energy and attention, right? You only have a limited amount of it. So for me, in that example of the person holding the sign, it's into what's wrong. Okay. Well, then that's just perpetuating more of what is. That kind of um, energy, unfortunately, only attracts more of that, right? Whereas when you actually decide to, okay, acknowledge that and then take action in your own life, Mm -hmm. even even just by healing yourself, you're making, that's probably the biggest difference you can make at that point of time. Which, guess what? Like, By not doing that, you're just bypassing, right? Because you're not acknowledging your own shit. It's so much easier to focus on what's all of these atrocities happening than to just go within, right? Because that's painful, right? And just closing that loop on the trauma, the one thing I wanted to say on that is the reason for anybody who wants to like self-soothe and like self-heal, anytime that trauma is stored, it's stored with pain. And so for it to be released, it's going to be released with pain. So be prepared to actually experience that as it gets released. Uh, You will feel a very similar emotion to what happened when it got originally stored in your body. Wow, that's really interesting. So for any trauma to be released, you're going
0: to feel the pain of it.
1: On some level, yeah, this is why it's it's um, this is why it gets trapped, right, because Think about it why would we choose to to trap it in ourselves why would we choose to push it down it's because we don't want to experience mm-hmm. that emotion so what we avoided experiencing then
0: we now need to go through it now yep properly for it to
1: flow through us or get released yep this is why it's my whole thing is to release in real time to use life as the opportunity, because otherwise, you hold on to it for fifty years. You have a midlife crisis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is which is a which is a thing. That's a that's a normal thing that we just oh he's just going through his midlife crisis. That's ludicrous. <laughs> that's just something that happens. It's because of all of this uh, unprocessed shit, basically, right? And it and it does ruminate. It gathers interest, right? Long you take to pay it. Mm-hmm. The, the the more you're going to have to pay when you do, origin, you do eventually decide to. Or, you know, the universe is just going to keep giving you signs. You know, maybe, you know, you start building up this resentment towards your boss. Then suddenly now you lose your job. Then suddenly now you start getting like, you know, physical issues. Then now suddenly you have a heart attack. It's just going to keep getting more serious until you finally pay attention to it.
0: Do you still get moments now where old traumas float up in your consciousness?
1: Um, So here's the thing with that, right? From my experience, this is the difference, right? There's a difference between the trauma and the memory of it. Okay, so I can think back to these moments we've talked about today bring nothing up in me because they've been processed, right? So I can think about it and I I can either be neutral or potentially above neutral and and like some positive energy, right? Um, The only time something comes that these old traumas is if it hasn't been processed fully. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, oh, cool. That's why I get to process today.
0: And so when one of those things comes up, what is your
1: way of processing it? It's first of all, realizing that this is coming up so it can be processed right and this this is the key like that sounds simple but in the moment that can be difficult because I might want to avoid it and go into all those human tendencies right I might distract myself I might drink out well not that I do but you know you might drink drug drink drugs wow (laughs) drink drink some drugs kids what have you been doing yeah I've been drinking (laughs) drugs I am drugs um you know drink avoid right Mm. these are all the common things we do but instead it's just allowing it to actually come and be felt and that takes that takes practice but for me that's what i personally do i just work through it i allow myself to fully feel it until till it's gone um and this is this is a useful uh thing that i've learned from my own journey that i really have thought about a lot which is that as you go on this journey right you can seem to become it looks like less emotional from the outside and it can look like oh you're not you know experiencing this joy in this moment or you're not having these massive ups and downs because we're only remembered for our lows and highs at the end of it you're not remembered for being like neutral and you know living a content life you know that's not what's glamorized in the 3d right so it can seem like ah, oh, you know You've become spiritual now and you're just like really calm. Like, do not like love life. Do you, are you apathetic? Whereas actually you're just completely content inside and neutral almost, right? That is a beautiful place to be. But it can be um, for some, I experienced this where I was like, oh, do I just like, where are all these like ups and downs that I'm used to experiencing, right? Because it, it's essentially addiction being addicted to those emotional ups and downs. This is why like people love drama, right? This is why people watch like, you know, the most popular things on Netflix are like rapists and like just traumatic things. There was like Squid Game, which is that thing that blew up. I watched that thing for five minutes and I just felt my whole body like contracting. And I was like, why would I wanna put myself through this? Right, I'm just, I'm just feeling things I don't want to feel. Yeah, I've always
0: right. wondered why people are into horror movies. Yeah. But I guess it must be because they get a thrill out of that well, up and down. This feeling. is
1: in, this is interesting, right? Because women statistically are more into horror and all of that stuff than men. And it's why it's because women are, this is just generalization, more act based more on emotion, right? So their their heart chakra is, is well, the heart chakra is a feminine giving chakra. So for women, it is more typically more open and so they love to they're able to experience emotions uh easier typically than men. again generalization and so the horror allows them to experience a wide range of emotions and like this is (laughs) this is why like again one of the common matrix things that i said like oh like crazy ex-girlfriend right that why is that a thing if you think about it it's because she liked to experience the emotional ups and downs because it's the addiction to the again, it's duality, it's coming back to, right? Is the the difference between the high and the low is what keeps you keeps her alive or what keeps us alive is is that um is that duality, which is why like you know, in a relationship, it's 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 better to have like some kind of emotional um like high or low, right? It's like you look at game, and you know, like you know, you learn. You're a young man, and you're learning how to like um, be with women. It's better to like have a positive or a negative emotion than just nothing, right? Why is that? It's because women uh, prefer to like they they act on that emotion. Like that's the currency, right? It's 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 that it's that feeling state. So it's the ups and downs. So then when you go on a spiritual journey, and things just become way more balanced, which is by the way, like super healthy. <laughs> it can seem like you're not um, experiencing life in the same way, which is you absolutely are. It's just you're able to be in a much more like healthy base state, right? So those fluctuations now just become smaller, which, um, which is a very like beautiful part of the process. Just so I wanted to add that nuance in there for anyone who's at that point where they feel like, oh, you know, I've processed a lot. Now I just kind of feel like pretty decent most of the time, but also... You know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's different, right? Because you're you're now in a different form. You're it's part of your ego has died, so it's a new version of self, which can sometimes be, just like you know, mm. maybe I should go back to that, you know, maybe I should go back to that emotional spike thing, because at least that's what everyone else seems to be doing. But no, absolutely, like if that's what you're feeling, you're you're on the right path. Have your friends called you out on on being not as spiky anymore, or? Um, I would say they've recognized like I'm very f- fortunate where I have like great friends so they um they would recognize it but in a in a in like a positive way for yeah. me personally but that definitely um I know people who have told me about this experience because I've experienced it personally being like I'm just kind of feeling neutral so w- which is why it's also important to acknowledge. Again, all the emotions, like it's good to, like I watch UFC, right? I'm obsessed with MMA. I grew up doing martial arts, done it for like 15 plus years. And, mo- and a lot of people would always be surprised because it's so violent, it's so bloody, but it's a spiritual art. You know, it's it's to me, it's one of the purest forms of um, interaction we have. Um, and all these guys, it's what they love doing, right? There's something about it and i was watching uh, a card on sunday it's like a massive ufc card and my uh my friend was like in like rooms away and i was like shouting screaming like just enjoying it and he was like dude what the hell's going on and i'm fully just present enjoying experiencing all the emotions right mm-hmm. and so again it's being able to like release attachment of like What should a spiritual person look like? You know, should they just be this calm, mellow person all the time? Like, no, I think you should be able to experience whatever it is you want to experience. What was the strangest or
0: most woo-woo thing that you've experienced?
1: (sighs) Oh, there's there's actually certain things I don't think I can talk about you did mention something about the pyramids yeah is that one of the things
0: you can't talk about
1: kind of yeah it is um well i mean i i could but it just wouldn't be ecological meaning it wouldn't be aligned to go into the details but what i can say is like have you ever been to the pyramids no i'd love to okay so i would highly recommend it i'd highly recommend it so like one of my pursuits is to visit all of the like sacred sites in the world right the world has different chakra points right so just like we have our chakras inside of us the world also has chakra points
0: Do you familiar it's like if the earth is a living being it yeah. has its
1: own energy centers exactly mm-hmm. yeah so the pyramids are one of those energy centers um the throat chakra mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so this is the pyramids in Oh, in Egypt. In Egypt, yeah. yeah. Should have been specific. Because yeah. there's probably other centers yes. around the world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the pyramids of Giza, mm-hmm. uh, where the Sphinx is, and yeah, the, the those pyramids. And so I was basically just the way I can describe it is Temple Run, but in real life is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the mm-hmm. is the way best way I'll describe it. And I was with a certain group of people, and we were. We were there to I can still can tell you to this day the reason I was there or how I got there, but I found myself on this pursuit going into these pyramids and you know, bribing guards to let us into certain rooms to um experience different energies and to
0: this sounds so away. fascinating. Yeah, it, it is. How it, come you can't talk more about it? Is it just because
1: the other people involved? Yeah. Esen- essentially, and it's it was is for a it was for a higher mission that I still don't even know what it fully is. In honesty, is is the it was for a much higher purpose that I currently am not even fully aware of what I was a part of. But you know, it's a higher purpose. One hundred percent. Yeah. Hmm. Um. And sometimes, and I guess like the the interesting things to pull for this is sometimes you go on these pursuits and you get opportunities where logically you don't know why the hell you're doing it or what it is but something towards you is pulling you right there's that internal excitement there's that internal knowing you feel it it, and and this was just one of those moments where it made me just travel across the world and, and go and do it and it was tough it was dealing with all of these energies and these frequencies and so many so many triggers so many provocations like we had like armed security go- like uh, like agents coming up to us being like what are you doing and you know following us around like it was no joke what we were doing um, but it was for a higher purpose and sometimes I don't know I, I still couldn't tell you what really happened but I can just tell you that that will probably continually unfold for the rest of my life. And are the pyramids calling you back? Yeah, at some point, but not just the pyramids, like many other, many other points of life, yeah. right? Um, and sometimes it's just, just, just allow, just accepting that, yeah, this, this happened. I don't really know what happened, but I know something did <laughs> and just being okay with that. <laughs>
0: This sounds so mysterious. Yeah. (laughs) People listening to me are going to be like, (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) Give us details. I know. I like it just, I don't know. I talk about it in, um, I just shot a video which I sent to you, which we can link below. And I talk about a little bit about it in there because my thoughts are more fully formed. Mm. And what I've found is like the more I've gone on this journey, the more I actually do have a high degree of discernment around. Um, like the stuff with like the matrix and all these things going on like while it's great to have all of this knowledge and know all these things and it's um, oftentimes the question is why, well, why? what's the intention for really sharing it? Is it just to like say look at me like I know these things or to poke at someone else or is it truly in service to others? Mm. And you know that takes a degree of discernment and so I've found that actually The more I go on this journey, like, the less it feels ecological to share. Um, But that's just coming from my own truth. Um, What was the
0: deepest psychedelic trip that you've gone on? Mm.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Probably deep is is a good, is it? If we using that as the descriptive word, I would say probably ayahuasca. Yeah, probably working with ayahuasca
0: because it connects you to your soul so deeply, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's it's you know it's the it's the mother, it's the mother I am universe. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it made me made me realize that you know this this universe this kingdom where we're on is 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 feminine, right? It made mm. me have just this deep reverence for. The feminine and to really honor the feminine not just in women but within myself yeah um and i guess one of the things that taught me this was on that year i became a woman um that's which, gonna be the title <laughs> of this episode yeah you're gonna, you're gonna have to photoshop me uh, <laughs> some interesting facial features um What I learned was by being able to go to that extreme of living within the feminine, it taught me what it truly means to be masculine because I have the reference experience again, the duality to look back and go, okay, wow. Okay. So this is what it feels like to be residing in that feminine energy. And now I consciously choose to reside for me in the masculine energy, because that's what I personally feel good and operate best at. Maybe it's like 80, 20, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in that kind of ratio. But then also it's opened me up to just much deeper relationships with women because I can see the world through their eyes. It's allowed me to, you know, like this whole um, like letting go and releasing, again, it's feminine quality, right? So it enables me to facilitate that in myself and others. So I think for any guy, it's it's funny because like masculinity is something so talked about at the moment. And I think um, the bits that that's missing is honoring the feminine within, right, mm. being vulnerable, you know. Um,
0: tell, re- me, tell me what yeah.
1: you learned about
0: vulnerability.
1: It's, it is strength. It's true strength. Vulnerability equals strength. And how did you discover that? I realized it because I, for the majority of my life, I I couldn't even be honest. Let alone vulnerable with myself about reality, let alone to anyone else. And that caused me immense suffering to hold everything inside because I was essentially living a lie, meaning I wasn't, sh- nobody really knew what was going on internally within myself. And this is actually where most people live. Whenever I get on a call with someone, like the first call, they're like, oh wow like i've never even been able to tell you on this before, and you can just sense the relief um that's vulnerability right and it's like if you've you know if you have a a child if you have like a little baby boy or girl and you know they're crying or something's wrong with them your your instinct is to go and support them and to help them right and this is what's missing in like modern society, it's vulnerability, right? If you're in the middle of a negotiation and it's all in the logical mind, it's chess, it's strategy, right? Imagine if you could just remove that for a second and just be like, Hey, you know, here's how I actually feel about this. (laughs) Here's why I'm actually doing this. You know, it's based on this. Instantly, it appeals to somebody's heart. It appeals to somebody's emotion, right? And so it's actually like very, it's a strategic skill as much as anything to develop with vulnerability in conflict, right? Let's say you and I are disagreeing about something and you'll say your point and I'll go, no, you're wrong, it's this point. Well, as soon as I tune into vulnerability and go, hey, you know, actually, what you said here made me feel really bad and here's why you know instantly that's going to be met and reciprocated because it's it's removing their resistance and this is why i don't agree with like things like protest and all these resistance forms of trying to get change it's because it's only perpetuates more of that and vulnerability is what breaks that cycle and vulnerability is very aligned with acceptance right with being able to just be like oh okay here's where I'm actually at you know and so many people are living in delusion particularly like this younger generation like not that we're old but like guys in like 18 19 20 21 like a lot of these guys are literally delusional like they are like yeah here's how I'm changing the world here's my plan to get to 10 million by the time I'm 30 I'm like oh that's And I find that inspiring in them because I'm like, because that's not how I, I, honestly, I'm more of a realist than anything. I'm an optimist, but I'm a realist at heart. You know, that's just how I'm built. That's not a choice. That's how I'm built. I see these guys and I'm like, damn, that's inspiring. And then I'm like, what are you actually doing? And they're literally, and it's based on nothing. And that's, (laughs) that's also, that's also an issue because it's, that is delusion. And so I try and like help them to go, okay, like, Where are you you actually at now? And it's like, oh, no, yeah, but but here's where I'm going to be. Yeah, but like, what's your current situation? Because until you accept your current situation, you can't actually change until you realize where you actually are right now. Because that is a denial of what is.
0: In your own journey, what was the catalyst that got you from not being honest with yourself to becoming vulnerable and honest with yourself?
1: Immense pain. (laughs) Mm. Immense pain just uh, i tried it right i tried i tried just lying to myself just saying things were good i'm living in this reality i have this successful life um and it was basically me living in a what's the best way to explain this it's basically like how you doing yeah things are great this is all going well knowing that it's not internally, right? So the more times I did that, the more just like internally, it just chipped away at my soul a little bit each time. Mm. And I did that enough to the point where it just all came toppling down. Like that moment with the clients leaving was a beautiful point because it was like this stark realization of like, what is, you know, like this is a painful point to be at. Mm -hmm. Typically it was low points. Like I I was having a conversation at dinner yesterday um, about my, I have a cat called Fred at, uh, at home in London and originally adopted him with, a, like he had a broken leg. And the, the story is funny of how we came to be, because I, I feel we ha- I have a spiritual connection with this cat. Like anyone knows how much I love him. I was probably eight, 17 at the time. I was just, basically I was in Spain. I got a perforated eardrum. Somebody punched me in the ear uh, underwater and like my eardrum perforated. I then had to get on a plane going back to the UK. Flying on a plane with a perforated eardrum was probably the most painful experience I've ever had in my entire life. I then got back, got my results for uh, uh, college, which were all D's, which meant I couldn't get into the uh, un- uh, university I wanted to go to. I then, because of the perforated eardrum, couldn't go to this big festival with all my friends that we would planned all year. So I just. Get home and I'm like, I just want to crawl into bed and just like, just cry. And um, I get back and my bed's broken while I'm away <laughs> because uh, it was, my room was being painted and the bed got broken by accident. So there I am laying on a mattress in my living room, um, and this little cat with a broken leg comes and sleeps with me and. Through this process of me being at my lowest point him being at his lowest point and helping him like rebuild teaching him how to walk again and me just like building myself back up it was the realization of like oh wow okay like all the worst things that could happen in life at that moment in time happened and just being awakened to that reality right and there's a lot of vulnerability in that what makes the process so much easier is just allowing yourself to be vulnerable. But there's a difference between vulnerability and victimhood. Cause in that story, I'm not in any way trying to be like, oh, we should feel sorry for this. There's zero of that. Because the moment I view myself as a victim, I'm just perpetuating that reality. And this this was this is um for people who are like very heart-centered, it can be, I, I was like this for so long. I would, I would easily just fall into people's stories because they see themselves as a victim. But it's so disempowering at the same time to do that. So there's being able to observe with love, but also non, no attachment to their to their situation. That's how to truly help someone. And so when I look back at that version of self, I'm like, cool. Yeah, that's that's what, those are the physical things that happened. And that made you the person you are today so that you can go and fulfill X, Y and Z. Um, so it's all come. it's always a perspective.
0: I'm glad you brought up victimhood because it's something that a lot of people fall into, the victim mentality. Yep. What would you tell someone who may be stuck in that mentality and they they want to break that victim mindset and shift into a, a more um, healthy mindset? It's
1: hard to speak to a victim sometimes. <laughs> um,
0: Have you gone through that journey? Yeah, of Yeah. You yeah. felt like a victim? and then Oh, yeah turn things around
1: massively yeah yeah yeah. like like or viewing myself as like a martyr like oh everything's so hard for me the world's against me was there things that helped you then
0: to to shift that perspective
1: (sighs) yeah i would say for me it just comes down to self-responsibility right Mm. it's it's a lot it was a logical decision for me it was does being in this uh you know this mentality serve me and other people yes or no is what it came down to, and there are many ways you can deliver that, right? I would say, if depending on who it is, I would, you know, probably come in a little bit more of the feminine and be a bit softer to to say that and help people come to that realization. But the bottom line is, is that like, is this serving you, yes or no? And if the answer, if you if you um, can admit the answer is no, cool, mm-hmm. then just leave it behind you, and then now you're empowered because when you're a victim, you are by default, something is being done to you, right? So there is some kind of like injustice happening in the world to you. It's happening to you, right? Meaning you're not in control. And if you want to be in, you know, many every entrepreneur wants to control things, right? (laughs) Um, And so based on that paradigm, if you want to control things, then you don't want to be a victim, right? So it starts with that. Does this serve you or not? If no, then great. Now you have your power back. Because now you can take responsibility for where you are, accept where you are, and now choose to do something differently. Talk to me about
0: your journey with self-love and how that changed you. Mm. Yeah.
1: It was probably... probably happened similarly to self-worth for me they seem very much linked together yeah yeah it was very similar um i would say with self-love so i always had resistance to self-love um because it just again felt like giving yourself you know like when i would see people post like oh just eating like this ice cream self-love or you know doing this having this bath with rose petals self-love i was just always like okay on well that paradigm sure but like doesn't really resonate with me um to me the way in which i look at love is like those are like nice little dignified parts of love um but it's really just doing the things that i know are like good for myself right it's it's Self love to me is actually not eating that ice cream. It's actually like no choosing to have like, you know, healthy, nutritious food that I know serves me, right? Self love is from a masculine perspective, at least that's the only way I can view reality. It's actually just doing things that are in alignment with love. And to me, like everything that's in alignment with love is aligned with my mission, it's aligned with the 5D. And it's basically just being embodied from that place, and at the same time, going through the. It's like so many entrepreneurs I speak to actually don't like themselves, and I, I was definitely like this. They actually don't um, like what they do. They don't feel like they're adding value to the world. Um, they're very hard on themselves, and all and all of these things are, you know, the opposite to self love you know and why it's because that's that's been conditioned to the root for success you know so again it's one of these it's like self-worth where it's like well on one side you can see the of course from, a, from the high perspective you you can see what the the value is in self-love but then from a some perspective in the middle it's like well if you just love yourself then like, do you still do you still have that motivation and that drive, the and, drive, yeah. and all of that? And that was what gave that's what gave the resistance to me. But then, as I integrated that, it's like no, like I fucking love myself, and I'm still in pursuit of everything, right? But that took work to get to that point, because when I felt love for myself truly, when I could just be. Just just content in who I am, essentially, and just feel good about myself for no reason. Then suddenly, like the motivation changes because now building the business or doing X Pursuit isn't to try and (laughs) make myself believe that I'm worthy of love because now I love myself, right? So then now it's like, okay, the goal gets to get realigned to a higher purpose and that's where the resistance was for me from going into that whole journey of self-love it was Mm -hmm. thinking that it will detach me from my goals because if i love myself and i'm not hard on myself then i won't want to go towards those goals so there there were like steps to steps to that journey from now where i can just act from a place of pure self-love and be super motivated at the same time and that's that's a great place to be and i like really grateful to be able to spend most of my time in that in that space now um, but it, it took it took some work and it took some it took going through heartbreak to also understand what uh, you can call unconditional love is versus attached to love you know for me I like to learn from, I always like to learn from like real life experiences like I, I'm not a you know like read a book and recite the book Kind of and pretend that this was all my idea kind of guy at all. Like I I vehemently hate that. <laughs> There's nothing worse than a coach who hasn't been through any life experience. Yeah. Um, so I like to Oh look, I learn from people who are way smarter than me to to cut the to learning curve, right? What did heartbreak teach you? Oh, Have you been through heartbreak? Oh yeah. Okay. Heartbreak. Okay many, many things. It taught me that what I had been experiencing in terms of love was just attachment mm-hmm. syndrome, right? It, because, um, you know, you always hear, okay, so you always hear the example of, um, you know, two halves coming together to making a whole, right? And this is actually what's perpetuated by the media and the matrix, by the way. It's like, you know, you complete me, And that's seen as, like, that's written on every Valentine's Day card, right? You complete me. Well, then you're saying that you're, what that's actually saying, and what I'm hearing is that you've got a load of trauma and shit that you haven't yet resolved, and this person is just coming together with their shit and their trauma, and you're you're coming together, and you're, like, clinging on to this, like, very low version of love. And I'm like, well, good luck with that. That's why most marriages end in divorce. And so I, I experienced this in... I'd say I had like I had like two major like multi-year relationships, and basically what it taught me is that I was just playing out um, the relationship with like my mum with these in these relationships um, in terms of like the attachment styles that we had towards one another. The reason why heartbreak is so hard. And I would actually argue that men struggle with heartbreak more than women. I'm gonna. The reason I'm gonna say that is because, and I've and I've just seen this happen so many times where women, because women are typical again, it's generalization, but women are more heart centered just from a energetic, energy center point of view, uh, and and women will typically give more into the relationship in terms of, like their you know the love, the nurturing, the care. All of these things are intangible. And so what hap- what happens so often is that as a man, and this is what I definitely happened to me is like, I didn't realize the value in all of those feminine qualities because I'm bringing, you know, maybe I'm paying for the apartment or I'm like sorting out the holidays or I'm like providing tangibly in the 3D. And so since I didn't put the weight and the value on those feminine qualities. And this is why so many men experience heartbreak is because they don't value those those qualities in the feminine, just because they don't have the awareness of the value of what the feminine brings, right? And so it, what does that mean? If you don't value something, then you don't appreciate something, you're not grateful for it. And that's why it's always the story of you know, the breakup happens, then the woman you know, goes and Lives her best life typically, and then event the man goes and does the same thing, but then he realizes what he missed and gave up, and then wants to get the woman back. Right? Wow. That happens all the time. And that's where the attachment comes in as well, and that's where the attachment comes in. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the here's the next level to that. The love that you felt together with the woman was not from her. It was you being open enough to feel that love that is already inside of you the love was there the whole time it was just that that other person came in as a mirror and revealed that love and your and your heart just opened more so you could feel more love mm. that's all that happened okay nothing to do with them they they just Happen to be the one to allow it to open but then what happens is when you you break up you close Hmm. so now it's more painful and now it's more painful and so you talk about self-love well self-love is being able to stay open and being able to be in love with yourself and so now the difference is when i you know i'm in that in that situation and again like people reflect that to me. They just seem like you just don't seem, you know, like bothered if this person comes or goes. And it's like, no, I'm bothered. It's just that I'm good either way. And if they want to say that's beautiful, and if they don't want to say that's also beautiful, like it's it's literally like neutral in between those two things happening. And that's, yeah, that's, that's self-love. <laughs>
0: so there's a link between self-love and love that you see very clearly. In that they're almost the same, as in the other person that you're in love with is actually tuning you deeper into your own self-love?
1: They're just a mechanism to help you be more open. You have the complete capacity in your own life to open yourself up, to open your heart up and experience that love all by yourself. They just happen to be you know, to have the soul contract with you to come along and and open that just like you did with them, Mm. probably. Interesting. I wanted to ask you what your experience with heartbreak has been. Mm. Well, I recently had a relationship
0: where there was a lot of uh, lying going on that I wasn't aware of until months later. And so that betrayal where you've invested in someone and you realize that Um, certain parts of them are not true, certain stories they've told you are not true. Um, That's really heartbreaking. And the crazy part is that I still loved them even after finding out all of it, after knowing for sure that this relationship was toxic and unhealthy for me and breaking up and then getting back together because part of my, my body was still craving them, part of my mind was still into them, you know? That surprised me because you'd think once you know that someone is not a fit for you, and not only that, but also that they there's not any trust in the relationship anymore, you'd think that would be enough to tell the heart to stop loving them, but actually that wasn't true, and even to this day, I still feel a lot of love for them despite the betrayals, despite the heart the the pain, the heartbreak
1: so that's been my experience. I'm doing this thing, I call this uh, a new thing I started doing. It's called resonance check. It's <laughs> like looking at the time and just seeing like, how many goosebumps do I have on my, on my helm? Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, deeply relate to that. And what I would say is that, love is not dependent on actions, right? You can still have love for someone And actually, I'd say that's an even higher perspective to take to still have love for someone, despite what those actions were. Now, the thing to tune into is, is that love, is there attachment in that love? Or is it a pure form of love where it's just love as you would love anybody because you have love for everybody? Hmm.
0: Um, I think it's both. Yeah, I have a pure love for them that is almost a spiritual love. Like I know that at a deeper level, they're just human. They're trying their best. And and of course, even the, the line that was in the relationship is just them, their own defense mechanisms or their own patterns coming into play. But then there was also attachment, probably, where you feel so good with them that you tend to overlook all the problems until they bite you in the ass. And then you break up. You're like, never again. And then a few weeks later, <laughs> circumstances <laughs> arise. And you get back together. Yeah. Like, I broke up and got back together with this person four times. It took me four times before I was able to go enough. Like, it was getting too much too much, repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you think it would only take once or twice, right? This was the first time in my life where it like I had like four times breaking up that's crazy
1: to me and what do you think it was that brought you back together those four times
0: just the connection was so good on so many levels other than the levels that were not working that I think it kept pulling me back and maybe the naive belief that well this time it'll be different because now I'm aware of this pattern so I can mitigate it. But that wasn't the case. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's um, connection, right?
0: Yeah, the connection is so strong, but there was a toxic element to the relationship that I knew was not healthy. So when you know something's toxic, and yet the connection is so good, I think that was really confusing my brain. I couldn't crack that egg it's like how can it be so good yet I know it's not good for me long term like I knew like I was zooming out five years asking myself would I want to be with this person in five years or how would my life flow if if I was uh, with them and I knew that there was no future there there was no happy ending so objectively logically it made complete sense to end it as amicably amicably as possible and just move fun, but the heart wants what it wants
1: you know well it's a human need isn't it connection it's yeah. one of our human needs
0: yeah it was the most confounding frustrating beautiful experience you know painful pain and beauty at the same time and what's your
1: like how do you feel about that now from however long past that well
0: now it's like you said about trauma is like when you feel neutral about something then you know you've pretty much gotten over it so now there is a neutrality and um in fact they texted me the other day and I was something that would maybe make me text them back right away but now I just archived it (laughs) you know because I know I can see the broader perspective I can see that that road does not lead to where I think it leads to um, so I think neutrality is is what
1: what it comes down to. You were asking about self love earlier. Mm-hmm. That is self love, exactly right there. Yeah, that's a very practical example of self love because you realize that that is not good for you, and you know you can still hold love for them, but you're yeah you're doing what you need boundaries. Yeah, you know, I
0: think that's yeah. what it taught me the most boundaries and yeah like you said like I still love them like I'm not archiving their message out of spite or out of some sort of resentment although there might be a little bit of that there still it's truly just because I know that for my own peace of mind I need to move forward with life you know yeah but love is love is interesting because even now you're making me think of the previous relationships I've been in, which were not anywhere near as toxic as this one. <laughs> and even there, like, you know, when you get hurt in a relationship, it kind of stays with you and then it floats up sometimes and you have to resolve it. And you're like, really, this thing that I thought I healed is still there on some
1: level? Like, have you ever experienced something like that? totally yeah yeah totally there's there's differences to it right so it can come up again and you may need to heal something right because you may still feel that emotional charge Mm -hmm. to whatever the event was and that's yeah okay cool there's still things to heal but then equally there's just like i was in a do you know who peter crone is sounds familiar he's known as like the mind architect he's just an incredibly good coach like i've been personally coached by him this year um in his mastermind i think you would love his content and somebody in this mastermind we were in said you know i've got this ex, and i thought and you could tell the guy's clearly like just in a dark place he's clearly not over her like loves her beautiful soul but just Clearly, like, still attached to her very much so. And he's like, look, I know we're not going to get back together. In fact, she's moved on. She's, you know, going to get married to another guy. Yeah, I think about her every single day, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, ah, yeah, good question, man. Don't know who else that relates to. <laughs> and, it's, and it was so beautiful because this guy was in so much pain, right? Of just, like, the constant, constantly thinking about her. And she was just... You know, she's still with me is what he said and peter the coach has had the most beautiful response which is like how how lucky how lucky you are mm. like i was like what do, what do you mean i can't get rid of her and it's like well isn't this a woman you loved yeah and you still have that love for her but in a more like healed way you know it's not going to go anywhere yeah well how beautiful that you get to still experience that love
0: but and, isn't it distracting also to him because he's thinking about her being with other guys? And- well,
1: it's only distracting if there's still attachment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I can like if a if a memory of an ex comes into my awareness, right? Or I'm going back in photos and I see a you know photo triggers something, right? It's only distracting if I still have attachment to that, because if I if I just see it as ah, oh, that was a beautiful memory. We were in like Lake Como and we were paddleboarding with a b- bunch of friends. Like I can experience love for all of that, and I can mm. give myself that, yet not be not be thinking, oh, I wish I had that back. Do you
0: think this guy was still attached?
1: I would. There was some attachment there, but he also knew that like. He 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 wanted to move on, like he wanted what's best for her. Clearly, just a beautiful soul, but he just she just kept coming up, right? She just kept coming up, and what Peter said was, and it made me feel a lot better about myself because this guy's like very, you know, very far on his own journey. Was that like thinks about his his exes come up all the time, you know? He's had many many partnerships, and they they still come up, and that's beautiful, you know, Mm. like how beautiful that you still get to have that memory.
0: That is a fantastic reframe yeah. of something that you could think of as a problem, but instead you think of it as, wow, I'm so lucky. You got to experience that love. Yeah. Yeah, I do think of that about my situation too. Of Like, yeah. despite the pain, it's like there were some incredibly beautiful moments and what a privilege to, to experience love with another human being, you know? Yeah. yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about is you have this like, quiet, not quiet, but you have this charisma around you. But it's like, a, it's not a flashy charisma. It's a, it's like a quiet charisma. And I wonder if that comes naturally to you, or if that's something that you worked on. Uh, Well, thank you for the compliment. First of all, I think. It's like that energy, right? It's like, when I first met you, there was this spiritual energy I felt there was this, oh, he's tuned into source type of energy. But then also this charisma and it's, it's a beautiful quality.
1: Well, first of all, like what is charisma, right? Because I think a lot of people look at charisma as, you know, the person's characteristics and all of these things. But to me, charisma is how I make you feel about yourself and how you feel in my presence. To me, like that's true charisma. And so... I would say it's definitely a natural part of me. You know, it's it's maybe something that has grounded more over time as I've gone on my own journey. And I just, you know what it is? I think it's, I'm just comfortable in who I am. I'm just comfortable in my skin. Like there's, you know, me, previous me. If you said, you know, oh, all of that, but you know you're i don't I don't really like your shoes. I would have just been like shattered the fact that you don't like my shoes. I would have been like, "Oh, well, I need to go and get some new shoes now. The younger you, yeah, the younger me uh-huh. um i would have i was, would have been very fragile by you know somebody saying something. I wouldn't have admitted that to myself or anybody else, but deep down I was I was deeply cared about what other people thought um And so now I'm just really comfortable in who I am. And the reason why I got, I think one of the ways I got to this point is just knowing what my intentions are truly. Like one of my best friends said to me like one time, you are my moral compass. And Mm. I was like, oh, that's a really interesting thing to say. What do you mean by that? And he just said, I just know where your heart is and who you are as a person. And I just always know that you know you keep me on track because of the way you are with your life because i know like what your character is and who you are as a person and he he actually put me into his um into his will where if he passes away um i'll get a certain a certain amount of money because he knows i'll use that to go and build schools in in um in africa and like bearing in mind he has a family he has a girlfriend etc so I think for me, I know what my intentions are and I know where I'm coming from. So where, whenever I have something that combats that, it's okay, because I know where I'm coming from and that doesn't have to align with everyone.
0: What is your primary intention throughout the day, throughout the week? is there like a running theme? A,
1: a lot of the time it's it's anchored in service a lot of the time so mm-hmm. it's to support my mission of like raising the collective consciousness helping humanity just like unplug from this matrix um so if i'm doing that then i just every like everything else kind of just comes into play like it's like the universe gives me all of this resource to go and fulfill that mission the more I'm in alignment with that mission and that and that's the intention right the intention is just to be in in love and I think one of the reasons what makes me a good coach is that I can hold love I can really hold space for people and so something I get reflected all the time is like I just feel like I can just tell you anything and just be myself around you because I truly don't cast any judgment. I noticed that. But that was not always the way. I used to judge myself so much, so much, right? Which meant I would judge other people unconsciously because I was judging myself. And so part of that self-love journey was to be able to release that self-judgment, right? And this was the most beautiful process because I always wanted to be someone who could be in service to other people, to be able to help other people, to be, you know, when people come to me, I remember there were times when like friends or family would come to me with, you know, some problem. and I just couldn't help them. I just didn't have the capability to help them. I just, did, I just flat out did not know what to say. I didn't know how to handle it. They were dealing with some emotion. I didn't know what to do. Right, And that was so painful because all I wanted to do was be able to just give them that support in that moment. And so this was one of the things that really like pivoted me into service. It was for wanting that. And there were some distortions in that, you know, that wasn't completely pure because part of it was this wounded healer archetype, right? Mm -hmm. Wanting to be the one who can help others, but deep down like needed the help themselves. And so that was part of the journey as well for me, was was recognizing that was playing out. Again, part of being in service is being committed to yourself first before being in service to others, because otherwise, you know, you can want and have all the best intentions, but if you're not healed, then you can't really help others fully, or to the best of your ability at least. So I think the reason why that is is just because I've done the work myself, and there's just no shortcut for that. You either have or you haven't, and you can tell. Um, and so yeah, I'm just at a point where like I'm just very content, like I'm very, very like it takes a lot to waver me, um, because I just know that whatever happens, like I'll be okay because I can I can go to that worst case scenario, I can fear set that thing happening. Play that out and still be fine. And I think there's a lot of power in that. I think it's easy to want to avoid. Well, what if, let's just say like you take five wrong turns, right? And you end up in a bad spot. Well, can you still be okay there? Mm. And if the answer is yes, then damn, you're unshakable.
0: I think it comes down to, like you brought it up, knowing yourself deeply. And when you know yourself, you're less easily shaken because you know your core, you know your your deepest part of yourself. Is there any advice that you can offer to people who want to know themselves deeper so they are more centered and grounded?
1: Mm. Yeah, I guess it comes to self-awareness as well, right? It's kind of one of these like skills, intangible skills that, It's talked about a lot that we all know is valuable, but it's like, how do you actually get to that point? And for me, it's actually not doing anything. It's the act of not doing. It's actually the act of removing all of the things that are distracting you from knowing yourself. For example, the media, social media, unhealthy food, drinking, going out all of these things can be beautiful in moderation by the way but these are typical distractions so it starts with removing all of the inputs that are stopping you from knowing yourself because your default state is actually to to just be present
0: mm-hmm. and
1: when you're present that's when you can start to like learn who you really are so like a practical thing I did earlier this year was to, to do like a silent retreat um, not some thing you know spending 10 grand to go out into the jungle with loads of people i just took myself out on a day on a random day and took myself out into the countryside in in england and just spent a day in complete silence no phones no talking basically no food just to be
0: it's funny my previous
1: guest did the same thing he went
0: to a cabin for four days wow and just turned off all the phones just brought some books with him and
1: well he did I only did a day, so he he took it he did it uh, to another, another level. but the reason why I like this is because one you don't need uh, you don't need anything to do this. you can just sit in your room mm-hmm. yeah you, anyone can do this. Um,
0: what did it teach you?
1: It taught me how much distraction I still have in my life. I remember waking up. And I, wo- and I was. I remember going, and I was in a period of uh, intense, in like an intense work period at this time. So I was a little bit tired. And I remember being like, oh, I'm just going to use this as an opportunity to sleep in, right? And that will cut half of my day. So it, I could like <laughs> cheat this system. So I was already trying to like find games. Gamify it. <laughs> Gamify it. Woke up 5 a.m. naturally. And I remember being like, oh, God, okay, here we go. All right, let's just surrender to it. And, you know, I just spent, a little bit extra longer, you know, doing some meditation, doing some cold chat, just some practices. And my mind was on overdrive. It was just incessantly thought, 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 thought. And I was like, why are all these thoughts coming up? This is strange. I don't usually have this. It was just trying to distract me. Mm. It was just trying, it was just, this was the like last layer of resistance because now there were no physical things. I couldn't work because work can be a distraction. And often is, you know, all these things can be distractions. So thought was the last line of resistance. That was the only thing that could occupy me. And I remember I was on this, I was on the beach and these beautiful um, white cliffs are called Seven Sisters Cliffs in the UK. Just stunning. Like you can walk right up to the cliff edge and it's just these white rocks really high up over the sea. And I remember getting to this point where I was just sitting. This was after doing some ball tanning. FYI, (laughs) necessary detail. Um, And I was just sitting there looking out at the sea and it was just complete presence, just no mind. Like my peripheral vision was, I still don't know how, but I could just, it was expanded and I was just there. And it was just absolute unlimited bliss, just more and more and more just ecstasy consistent it was one of the highest states i've ever felt in my life probably this was after maybe 10 hours of being in in the silence and it was just boundless it would just never end and just continue to come whatever i did it would just keep coming keep coming and it was just like whoa
0: how do you explain that <sighs> is that you connecting to god connecting to some point zero like some sort of base level of consciousness that is just bliss and love
1: i would just say this is actually our natural state yeah i actually feel this is our natural state and we're just all these other things are just blocking that from being and i think we i think it's actually possible to i think it's possible to actually experience that all of the time now is that what you actually want is that a likely reality probably not but I do 100, I genuinely believe that it's possible to experience that. And the reason why I have that strong belief is because I never want to create an excuse for not being in that state. If I'm not in that state, it's because of me. And there's no judgment around that, there's nothing negative. It's just, just a matter of fact, right? Because I know I can get myself to that state by doing nothing. <laughs> So it literally requires nothing to... It, so I've now had that reference experience, right? Coming back to the embodiment. And I've had that multi, many times now. But I now have the reference experience to know the best state I've felt. And I've done like ecstasy and all different kinds of things, right? So I've been in like those kinds of states. Has been from me literally doing nothing. So, it, so now I know just wholeheartedly that in order to experience these amazing states, it does not require me to do... I can have them at any single time, which is why I'm so detached, because I don't need anything to feel good, because I know if it comes down to it, absolute worst case scenario, I'm sitting in a prison cell with nothing and nobody. I can go and access that state and I can go and feel complete bliss. So that's it. Yeah, that's it.
0: And yet there is a masculine part of us that wants to do, that wants to build.
1: Yeah, and that and that's why I'm not in that state a lot of the time. Because mm-hmm. because equally, whilst holding that, I do believe life is suffering to some to some degree.
0: You like, believe life is suffering,
1: yeah, to some degree. Yeah, like the Buddha said, right? Buddha's uh-huh. first noble truth is life is suffering. And I do believe that this is the human part as well. But then way. on
0: the one hand, life is bliss.
1: Yeah. And on the other hand, life is suffering. Yep. Hmm. And this is why all of these spiritual at least in my from my perspective these spiritual truths are all um, like juxtaposition right they're like these seeming opposites that are actually the same. This is why um, this is why this stuff takes like it's not uh, black and white. Right, it's there's, there. Are these truths that have to be figured out? Oftentimes, by going to these extremes to then come back to the middle, that it's actually one and the same. Comes back to oneness. Because mm-hmm. why is suffering not bliss? Right, that's only a perception created by the mind. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Right, you ever you go? Do you go to the gym or do you like work mm-hmm. out or anything? You know, sometimes when you're putting yourself through the ringer in that pain, you feel really damn good about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Especially afterwards. That's that's. Putting yourself through suffering mm. and feeling bliss,
0: that's a good point, yeah, you once said that all we are is a collection of walking stories. Mm. Why do we get so attached to our stories, and what 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 do you recommend to not get attached to them?
1: Yeah, I mean they're pretty convincing aren't they? those mm. those stories um why do i think we're attached to them i think our minds just the way they're wired is to recall things based on story right we remember stories like i don't know the scientific basis for this but if i imagine when we were in tribes around fires you know it was the story of what happened today you know i went to fight this saber-toothed tiger and it bit my arm off but i managed to like slay it and now here it is back and it's it's recalling what happened right it's the way in which our minds recall things right and i think that's why do we why do we think like that it's because in the story there is emotion and we're emotional beings and so it appeals to the the heart not just the logical mind of like the textbook xyz so i think that's why we recall stories it's because they encapsulate emotion right it's why people are like love the, the classic hollywood film arc right mm-hmm. where there's they up and there's the down and then there's the happy ending it's because to to go on that journey there is a, um, a plethora of different emotions that are felt and we just want to feel i think really one of the things we want more than anything is just to experience emotion and i would basically that's why i think we do everything we do it's to experience an emotion at the end of it right um so with the stories it's just the way it's our way of experiencing that emotion
0: but the the i think there's a deeper idea here that when you say we are a collection of walking stories yeah then who are we really underneath those stories who who are we at the deepest part of ourselves
1: yeah i love that question um I I don't want to give away my answer to that because I think it's something that everyone. I don't want to unwrap everyone's present for them. I think
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: I think and also who am I to think I'm right? Mm. You know, with my answer, like it's tr- my answer is truth to me. But what I will say is, is actually this is one of the first things I talk about in the mastermind as well is who are you? We do like three hours on just answering that question. Um, but I think it's something that we should all get to question and and ask right because if we're not our thoughts we're not our emotions we're not our stories then yeah it's a really good question who are we um in terms of the walking stories what i mean by that is we experience all of these different events and those events become a record in our brain so our minds are a record of the past of all of these different stories and we tend to just base our future actions off of those stories. So it's like, okay, you experienced heartbreak, you know, the person lied to you. Now in the future, if you're continuing to walk with that story, you're not gonna be scanning as soon as you meet a potential suitor. Is this person trustworthy? Is this person not trustworthy? Like women, like loads of women will say, if you I've noticed it affected me yeah. in that way. And that's natural, by the way, right? That's a natural mechanism that we have inbuilt into us for survival to stay safe.
0: I wish it hadn't though, right? Because I used, to, like, I yeah. want to be back to my past self where I just would trust someone. But it feels like this person's behavior affected now my trust towards future people.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, and and that that is there is a degree of like that's natural, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because it happened, mm-hmm. and you're a human. Um, if I was to go, all men are, fill in the blank. How many women would say liars? Mm-hmm. How many women would say cheats? How many women would say right? Yeah, yeah. So this is all of the programming based on the either the individual story or the mass matrix story, which programs us to believe certain things and stories that are beneficial to them to control us. So the question is, where did that story come from? Is that story even true? Does that story serve you? And then, it's a con- then now it's a conscious choice. Do you want to hold on to that story? And so if you don't want to hold on to that story, it then comes back to, okay, well, can you release that yes that event did happen and acknowledge it and let it go because until as long as there's some of that there you are blocking yourself from experiencing like that deep layer of trust right mm-hmm. and also like again there's no right or wrong as to when this happens I I do believe things happen in divine timing like when I I'll give you my, my own example one of my first relationships I felt there was like a layer of distrust at the end of it as well. I was so heartbroken. And, it, and um basically I just closed after that and said, Well, I do I will not experience that again. And so for six years after that, the amount of relationships that I closed off with amazing people, because I was closed was you know it was a lot right and I in that process caused a lot of pain to others because I just couldn't open even though there was something great here I just couldn't open because I was still living in that past story so I was a walking story right because I was just reliving that again and again and again and then once I opened myself I opened my heart like i was using doing a lot of meditation at the time to just like open myself to be able to feel love and it felt like this tiny little like seed mm. something was there i could barely connect with it but luckily i had my mom cheering me on being like no trust me this is this is the right thing and i'm like all right here we go and then once i could start to feel that love just from just from being from myself again instantly attracted somebody into my life um where i felt more love than i'd ever felt up until that
0: point and it came from self-love it
1: came from self-love and here's the thing there were still many distortions in that love there were still traumas that i didn't know but there were right but i don't look back at that going oh like what a mistake no because also i believe that we come together in order to like heal one another and i also don't believe that a relationship has to be forever. I don't think that's how the value of it is determined. We can have a relationship for two weeks or two decades. It has nothing to do with the amount of depth and connection and love that we experience in that time. I've experienced crazy levels of depth instantaneously that most people would think is crazy or wouldn't be able to comprehend. And I've also had 10 year relationships or people I know where there's very little Because you can only go as deep as you have gone, right? You can, or the other person, if it's in another relationship. So the deeper you can go in yourself, the deeper you can then go in a relationship. And so to attract that relationship, it's just a reflection, right? You're just going to attract who you are, who your counterpart is, energetically, mentally, spiritually, visually. What they look like all these things it's it's just a reflection yeah these days how is your love life (laughs) my love life is great i'm uh, (laughs) i'm in love with myself Mm -hmm. primarily that's Uh, your primary uh, relationship yeah yeah primary relationship um (laughs) yeah it's in a beautiful it's in a beautiful spot right now i'm uh when i if i you know i Meet somebody who is resonant with me. Um, it's a beautiful experience because now, looking at it through this lens, through all these things I've talked about, it's like I can experience that like giddy. I don't know, I'm, I'm experiencing some of this at the moment, right? So I use again, I have to use myself as an example. Like I could experience this like giddy, childlike love and deep connection at the same time and then mission drivenness and all of these things which are so beautiful and equally not need any of it. And uh, this is probably like, it's, it's beautiful to see all of this work in a work paying off because now I can look at it through this lens and actually experience it in that way. And see like, oh, this is incredible. Um, and I also don't need it. You know, it's a choice. It's a conscious choice to to um to come together in a union, like in a divine union. Mm-hmm. It's um it's not based on, oh my parents said I should I feel that's more with girls anyway, but you know, get married by this certain time or this certain person. It's it's none of that. It's just purely based on um on choice which is really cool hmm. really really cool
0: i love that i wanted to ask you about um your mastermind quantum mind yeah tell me a little bit about that and for those curious why they why it might be a good fit for them
1: yeah so the quantum mind was was born out of a lot of pain um when i got to that moment on that roof in rooftop in uh, greece where like my business came crashing down, I would say that was one of the, uh, the pinnacle points where it was starting to be born mm. because that was when I realized that external success had very little correlation to internal uh, fulfillment, joy, happiness um, in reality. Like it can be coincidence that the two of them are going in the same direction and that can happen, but equally doesn't doesn't mean that it will and so that just broke down my whole paradigm because again it was one of these things where i knew intellectually i'd listen to a podcast like this and hear people say yeah money doesn't buy happiness right and i'm like okay yeah money doesn't buy happiness cool move on and go back to like making money right but when i actually experienced that that was when the switch flicked for me and so when I went on this spiritual journey this you know I'd always been into like self-improvement I'd go to all the Tony Robbins seminars and do all the jumping around and I'd I'd always been committed to self-mastery and I noticed that that was the thing when people would ask me like how do you have this business success it always came down to like oh it's it's this mindset thing or it's this way I view the world or it's this internal thing thing that's that's the only difference that I can see because I'm doing the same stuff stress strategically and business wise that everybody else is doing. Um, And so I realized like, okay, there's that piece. Also, it's what always lit me up. Like when people would reach out to me and say, oh, can I have a call, you know, to help around business? I'd always be like, uh, you know, Sure, sometimes, or we'll actually, no. But then, when they'd ask me about something to do with like the mind or spirituality, I was just instantly lit up. So, I always had these signs that that was, you know, more in my path. And for anyone who's, you know, trying to find their like purpose and their path, which I feel like everyone, yeah, everyone's on that to some degree, that's a really good thing to follow. What's your highest excitement? And that might not be something that instantly leads to money. Like, I didn't think this stuff could lead to a business model right back then. But I was just following it because it was what I loved to do. Um, so anyway, going on this journey myself, you know, I built up loads of friends in in my space. So I run a marketing agency, um, like lots of friends in the space. And I realized that like everyone was having basically the exact same issues that I was having where they would have the external success to some degree, but then it would be inconsistent. Their self-worth was tied up in it. They were hustling, grinding. Like I had bald patches on the back of my head from stress. Mm-hmm. Like, um, And it was just a very three-dimensional way of approaching business. And so I created Quantum Mind to help like entrepreneurs who are practical guys, you know, just want to like, I think the thing is with entrepreneurship and why I say business is a spiritual game is because to be a successful entrepreneur you kind of have to become a more virtuous person right you've at least got to like make some sacrifices in your life right you've got to be providing value in some shape or form these are all like positive attributes right so you're already taking those steps to become maybe a better version of self Mm -hmm. which is why i love love business in that way um but then i realized a lot of people just kind of didn't have that fire like the fire just went out with inside them they just sort of like they were like me where they did the business super fired up like let's go for a couple of years then maybe they achieved what they wanted to achieve and then it's like well now now what right what's the next what's the next step and so because that mission got lost the motivation got lost the fire went out um, or you know you'd have a bad month in business and then the whole mental health would come tumbling down right the whole they'd question everything maybe i shouldn't be doing this so i noticed there are all these just struggles right that were happening and all and i just basically was like well i'm going to figure this out for myself i've tried every make money online course known to man and sure while they might help make a little bit of extra cash the int- the core issues weren't being fixed. I could I just couldn't find anything that was a solution for that. So it led me to just saying, "All right, I'm just going to try something else." And this is how I ended up in the pyramids. This is how I ended up with plant medicine. This is how like I work with, like quantum kinesiologists and all these just completely non business related things, just because I was following that intuition and that excitement but what I realized is going on that journey is it can be very chaotic. Actually it is very chaotic. I'll reframe. And, you know, my whole life had to fall apart for me to figure that out. And so I realized once I'd gone through that and like always on the journey, but at least I got to a point where I feel like I could actually, you know, people can see the difference in me. Um, I decided, yeah, this is actually my calling to help other people go through this because it's uh, it's something so many people experience and so many people just don't uh, talk about. They just, they just never, ever talk about it. It's just swept under the rug, get back to business. So that was where the mastermind was born.
0: What are some of the most common blocks you see
1: in your clients that you work with? I would say oh, it's beautiful because there are so many layers to it. And I love pulling back all of the layers. But a lot of it, it's fu- its funny because I would argue that most of it is, de- is deep seated within self-worth and self-love. But then the way that manifests on the surface might be, for example, like, oh, I don't feel like I can, uh, I don't feel like I'm attracting the right clients, right? I'm getting these clients who are just, pain to work with they don't appreciate what we do like they don't pay on time all of these things right which you might just say well those are just business things right but actually they're a complete reflection of self because business is just a reflection of who your view particularly if you're running it like most of my guys are running like online businesses one to five people like they're small businesses right so
0: like the clients who are not paying them for example yeah how does that reflect to their inner state what's going on there
1: yeah so, oh yeah, this just happened with one of my guys. So let me see if I can like recount the story. So I had uh, I had one guy called Harry, and he um, basically was really struggling with just consistently being able to book meetings to attract clients, um, you know, uh, clients paying on time, and then basically what he re- what we realized was that he. Still was holding on to the belief that, like, he wasn't able to deliver a good enough service to these clients, right? Like, which was just a reflection of his worth that he could provide in business, which was a reflection of his own internal self worth, right? And so, when we shifted that inside of him and he had the epiphany, he literally. This was the next day, went and booked four meetings. One of the clients instantly signed on and he sent me the email and I've got it as a screenshot, which said, you know, Harry was so excited to start working with you. Our personalities just match perfectly. Like we just, we're just, you know, we're essentially on that same vibe, like send us the invoice We you want to pay straight away and get the ball rolling. Like never had that before. Mm. Right. And there's, there's countless examples of that, right, where the, like another guy Giacomo, he uh, had a lot of issues with clients paying on time, right? And then once he started shifting his own internal state, right? Looking at how is he treating himself? What are the actions he's taking? What are the perspectives he's got? Where is he judging himself? um, And just releasing, a lot of it is about releasing attachment, right? That's one of the big things actually to answer that question previously. Attachment is a huge thing attachment to the outcome aka wanting the clients once that was released instantly biggest payment biggest payment comes through ever to the agency the only thing he shifted was himself internally every single strategy remained Citrus paribus all things held equal and so the reason why i really like this is because it's bridging the gap between these like spiritual slash slightly more esoteric concepts and real grounded like 3D business stuff, right? And this was, if you come all the way back to the beginning of my story, this, the the internal issue I had was that I couldn't see how these people like watching The Secret were creating a, a life they wanted, right? And it took me going on this like 10 year journey to figure out, no, actually, like it's all, it's all one in the same. And I just feel now I get to bring that to people um, in a in a more grounded way.
0: That's beautiful, man. Ibrahim, it's time for the lightning round.
1: Oh, are you ready? Let's
0: go. Who or what brings out your wild side?
1: I'm gonna say the moon. The moon. Yep. (laughs) So. just the just the lunar cycle am i am i do i give context on these or is it like really quick fire i'd love context (laughs) yeah just when i don't know whenever the the moon comes out i just go kind of wild like i feel that really high energy like when we were in the on the beach the other night when the moon was out like is that a full moon or it was near a full moon Uh yeah i just i always just feel, feel that high energy and just become like a werewolf interesting yeah have you
0: ever broken the law and didn't get caught if so how
1: Yes, I have. Uh, I was seventeen years old. No, I was sixteen years old, and I was with an older kid in school who always used to steal uh, like chocolate bars from the from the sweet shop outside school. And I thought he was the coolest dude. So one day he took me in with him for his operation, and he was like, "Yeah, just put these in your pocket and just walk out, walk away." And I was like, I remember feeling like so much fear about it. But I was like, oh, no, I'm going to like impress this older kid. And I remember just walking, walking out, giving him half of them for his like mentorship and guidance and just like strolling home, feeling like an absolute like badass.
0: What did that teach so, yeah. you in life?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did it teach me? Um, to uh, I have no idea to just, uh, I don't know, think for myself, probably. I love how you call it yeah. his operation. Oh, yeah, he he taught me the whole operation, like put the sweets in your pocket and walk out. Like I learned <laughs> the whole system right there.
0: What's been the biggest lesson in your life this year?
1: Mm. Damn. I would say the biggest lesson is that we ha- all have the ability to create Whatever it is we want, it's all within us and nothing outside of us. like whatever it is that we want, if it's a thought in your mind, it can become a reality because that's how everything's created. And so the question is what's how do you get there and what are the what are the things stopping you from getting there, right? I truly do believe we are capable of creating anything and then it just comes down to actually like putting in the steps. Before that I did believe that we all had inherent like limitations inside Mm -hmm. of us and uh, now I believe differently. What changed that perspective for you? I think definitely like as I've grown I've been around more inspirational people, I've had more reference experiences to see like people just creating their own reality in real time and as I've done it myself and realized like just by shifting my identity and realizing it's so fluid Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean it's an illusion anyway from a higher perspective but by by doing that it's just made me realize anything that i want to create it just means all i need to do ask is who do i need to become in order to create that and that's it i love that so
0: it's like an identity shift who do i need to become
1: yep and also whilst realizing that the identity is an illusion anyway Mm, right. So the whole
0: framework is actually an illusion, but you're working within it. Yep. So you don't believe in limitations anymore?
1: No, I don't. I believe that they're all self-imposed, but and equally it's just like, you know, Michael like anyone so it's like Michael Jordan plays basketball to a certain level. So that's that's a possibility, right? To play basketball to that level. Now, do I believe it's likely everyone's going to play basketball to that level? Highly unlikely, but it's possible to play to that level. Mm. And so I like to look at things in terms of like possibilities and probabilities. And just then from that point, going like, okay, cool. Like if it's possible, then great. I'd much rather believe in possibility than limitation.
0: Yeah. and I love what she mentioned that there were certain people
1: that inspired that
0: out of you. Uh, like expanders that expanded your way of thinking. Totally, yeah. That by seeing them, how they create, it then shifted your perspective
1: on how you can create. Yes. Yeah. And I've noticed that, yeah. That Okay, another big shift to add to that question is I used to believe, like, to create, you know, I needed to be the lone wolf. I needed to figure it all out by myself. Like, I needed to... There was this, like sadistic glory and being in a dark room behind a monitor just like i'm gonna just create this thing and then everyone's gonna be like wow what were you doing behind that monitor for two years right and that's nice in a movie but in reality like we actually need connection we're social beings and as i've uh developed myself i've then you know opened up and attracted uh just other uh cool people, right? And then the more you know, I've done that like one of the biggest influences are the people around us, right? Mm-hmm. Because we learn through osmosis. And so the importance of being surrounded by really f- inspirational people to me is like right up there. Um I'm very very discerning about who I choose to spend time with. Uh and typically it's like not a not a huge group of people. Um and I'm and, I'm co- and it was also coming to the uh acceptance that for me personally that's cool like i don't need to be you know sitting on a different table of people every night to feel like i'm you know whatever you only need a few great people in your life to really feel fulfilled i think it's different for people i think some people do love that you know like we're going to a dinner tonight with like eight guys and that's awesome i'm super excited for that equally like i don't do that every single night right Mm -hmm. it's like a very intentional orchestrated group yeah um but yeah, that's just me. Have you ever had any experience with UFOs or aliens? Um, UFOs, no. Aliens, yes. Depending on how you depends how you uh, define aliens. DMT aliens. DMT <laughs> no, aliens.
0: Five <laughs> 5- <laughs> D <5D> aliens. <laughs> uh, Actually, you can define it for me. Yeah. What what aliens have you uh, have you encountered?
1: Um, I've done some work with some certain light beings um through trance channels
0: anything else you can tell us about that
1: yeah i mean that that's open like i've i've done like i've had uh encounters with um like 12th dimensional light beings huh. uh, on a channeling sort of
0: yeah uh, trance yeah what did they teach you
1: um i asked them how can i unlock more self-love and they reminded me that there were still many errors of myself that i still judged myself and hadn't forgiven myself for um, from a child from being a child and they gave me specific examples of that were true mm. uh, so it's like
0: they read your energy and were able to pinpoint examples
1: yep and i then went back and released them and that was when it really taught me that the releasement of judgment is a really big part of self-love
0: wow it's really cool. I'll
1: put you in touch with them after.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I need them on the podcast. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever stayed up for an entire 24 hours?
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. Business? Get, party?
1: Get Partying. Uh, the first thing that came to mind was playing, uh, playing RuneScape when I was younger. <laughs> I used to play game and just want to get to the, just level up at life. Yeah. Uh, then partying. Um, and then probably like... Uh, and then probably now like you know last time I did ayahuasca probably was mm-hmm. more than 24 hours
0: what's the craziest thing you've done in a car
1: in a car mm-hmm. uh I probably when I was okay so this wasn't even in like a supercar or nothing this was in like an old Toyota this was in like my first ever car that I drove which was my parents previous car and I was just a boy racer just driving crazily fast and i had it's not it's not i'm not proud of it i had like five people in the car i was probably going like 100 and something around a roundabout and where i had to turn so quickly the car literally went on two wheels oh, shit. and i had to like skid around this roundabout and then and then come back <laughs> down um definitely not proud of that um apart from that i would say done like some f3 driving so like Formula 3, so like F1, mm-hmm. but like not as like a few levels down in uh, Silverstone, which is like a racetrack where they use for, G, uh, for the Grand Prix in the UK. That was fun. That's really cool. Yeah, that was fun.
0: What three words represent the core essence of who
1: you are? Hmm. I would say wisdom wisdom came up say vitality and just child child yeah that playfulness yeah i i was actually just saying this to weirdly enough so i saved this these three lines on my notes this morning which crazily enough my good friend uh who you met had a very similar three lines that he posted on his story which was so weird i don't know how this happened but anyway it was Basically, I was saying, like, I want to have, like, the wisdom of an elderly man. I want to have, like, the the body of an athlete, like a Greek god, and the, like, humor of a child. Mm. And just to embody those three qualities is, uh, yeah, I think that's cool. What's
0: one life lesson that you learned from your mom? From my mom?
1: <sighs> just just to love unconditionally. She taught me through loving me unconditionally. She taught me that um, love is always there no matter what. Like there's all through being the physical representation of always having someone to go to no matter what. Like I know whatever happens, I can go to her. She taught me that that unconditional love is always there within myself. How many times have you been in love? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the f- I would say f- definitely different levels of love. I would say five. The, la- the latest version of love being with me. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So the fifth is
0: you. Fifth is me. Yeah. What is your dream for the planet?
1: <sighs> dream for the planet. i would dream that everybody can live by the qualities of you know just loving thy neighbor you know being able to act in the intention of love if if we all act with love from that intention then i believe that that basically resolves all of the conf- all of the the war all of the stuff going on i think it resolves basically all of that and by the way that doesn't mean jumping around skipping unicorns and rainbows I, not that at all but my dream is that everybody can get to a point where they are healed internally so that they can act from love
0: what keeps you connected to the world of spirit or what is your spiritual practice?
1: It's many things. Um, the most common daily practices is the practice of releasing and letting go. Because any time, because I view that as the, the essence of the spiritual journey is to continually release and let go, because the more that is done, the more I come back to love. Mm.
0: It's beautiful. Final question. What is one piece of advice that you can leave listeners with on how they can lead a more epic life?
1: Oh, more epic life. Okay. <sighs> I would, I'm going to stand on the shoulder of one of my favorite giants, Albert Einstein. And he says, to paraphrase, the only way to influence others is by being yourself. And to expand upon that, if you want to have influence, which can be an extremely positive thing, right? If you want to influence the world in a positive way, it requires knowing thyself first. And then once you know yourself, you can be yourself. You can be who you are. You can fully express your soul, your gift. God can channel through you. Then you can have the impact you want to have on the world.
0: I love how you say God can channel through you, because we're all vessels for the divine. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in a, that there's a divine plan for each life?
1: I do. Yeah, I think we have a. I think we have a soul blueprint. I think there is a. We all come here to experience something unique. Now, whether we have free will over that, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that but I do believe we all have a unique life path.
0: Ibrahim, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the pod. Where can people vibe with you?
1: Probably right now, YouTube and Instagram are the best places to reach me. Just my name, Ibrahim Turner. Uh, You can search me up and I'll be there. If you want to see my content, YouTube. If you want to have a chat with me, Instagram.
0: Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you, man.
1: Dude, thank you. And just want to say you've put together something truly remarkable here. Just from everything from the whole setup to the just the thought you have and the questions you ask um to just the way you made make me feel open up like shared so much that i've never shared before and that's a testament to you and your you know what you've created here so thank, thank you, you bro
0: thank you you've been listening to the james zander trip podcast with ibrahim Turner. if you enjoyed this conversation do me a favor and share it with one friend who you think might benefit from this podcast. I put my heart and soul into these episodes, and it would truly mean the world to me if you shared this episode. Please subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. and stay in touch with me through my newsletter at jameszander.com. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time. This episode is sponsored by magicmush.ca. If you're looking for an online dispensary for magic mushrooms, mushroom chocolate, and other high-quality psychedelic products, head over to magicmush.ca and use the promo code JAMES to get 25% off. Thank you for listening, and have a beautiful trip. Hello, beautiful soul. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you learned something today, and I hope this episode helped you in your psychedelic and spiritual journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my other podcast, The James Zander Trip where every week I bring a fascinating guest onto the podcast to dive into psychedelics, mindset, and spirituality. Search for The James Zander Trip on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, or visit jameszandertrip.com. I recommend listening to the first episode, where I dive into ayahuasca with my friend Jacob and his wild experiences on psychedelics. And if you want to stay connected with me, join my free newsletter at jamesandertrip.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, you might enjoy my brand new audio course, Unlock God Mode. Unlock God Mode is a four-week experience where every day you'll get a 15-minute audio lesson that gives you frameworks, tools, and perspectives to upgrade your relationship with life. In the same way that mushrooms give you insights that help you up level in the video game of life i designed this course to do the same thing for you i've compiled every lesson that i learned through psychedelics through meditation through my spiritual work through life i've put my best tools in this course so that no matter who you are if you choose to go on this adventure with me you're going to learn some amazing frameworks you're going to learn to see life with new eyes you will improve your relationship with life, and by extension, your life will improve. If you're interested in more details, go to jameszander.com godmode, or use the link in the show notes. Use the promo code SHROOMS for a special discount. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I deeply appreciate you. Feel free to reach out to me through my newsletter. Go to jameszander.com to sign up. I'd love to connect.